Good afternoon, everyone. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Welcome to Merchants of Novigrad, episode 13, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything Gwent. Stay with me. It's my trusty co-host, Thea Beastie. And as you guys can see, we have not one, but two amazing guests, the feathered hosts of Birdcast, a Witcher-based podcast, two amazing content creators, the queens of lore, Ellis, the Thunderbird, and Jinzy. How are you guys doing? Doing good, thanks. Doing amazing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of i just woke up hello <laughs> a few Neither words guys. to our viewers guys if you have any questions you can ask them in chat uh thea will be collecting the more interesting ones and we're gonna try to answer them as we go also if you want to stay in touch off stream you can follow us on twitter at Novigrad podcast and if youtube or spotify is the platform where you would rather watch or listen to this episode it's gonna be uploaded a few hours after the live stream so now, on to the first segment. What have you been up to? What's going on? Well, I uh, moved to Canada. So that's the thing that happened. And that's pretty much all that's been happening. Because I haven't really been able to do much of anything else. So it's just been streaming and moving. And the house is a mess. Which is pretty great. Not gonna lie. What part of Canada? I think our viewers are gonna be interested in that. <laughs> it's a Ontario. big country. Yeah, it's huge. This place is, I, I looked at it and I, I come from the Netherlands. So I come from like this and now it's just like, I don't even know. You can't even drive places within an hour. It's ridiculous. But yeah, Ontario. So where pretty much everyone is, the Toronto place, that one. Oh, that's a major city, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. I think, the largest city in Canada. And oh, well, is there any difference uh, between the Netherlands and Canada so far that oh, you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> boy they don't have anything that i want <laughs> it's uh, all my candy they don't have a bunch of my drinks they don't have but they do have a little snow so I, i'm okay for most people that's the minus but for me that's plus because i love snow so they have snow everyone's super nice for the most part and they have proper maple syrup so really i can't complain i just trade it i trade it my candy for maple syrup yeah that's, that's what I, I wanted to say it's a trade-off you get exactly. something and you have to give something. But wait, when it comes to snow, I think that people who come from countries where there actually is snow absolutely hate it. But for us, I'm from the Netherlands as well, having snow is a special occasion. This year, we weren't lucky enough to get any. Last year, mm. it was like two days. And so yeah, moving to Canada sounds like snow paradise yeah. to me. It's been nothing but snow. <laughs> but what do you enjoy the most about Canada? Because for some reason, it seems to be the place where a lot of streamers are moving. I'm not sure if you know Alias. She used to stream Gwent. She moved to Canada. I do. And oh, I, I know she was a already from Canada. <laughs> no, she's originally from South Africa, and she moved to Canada, oh. also to um, Toronto. And there is a lot of people who decide to move as a, as a streamer or content creator, and they always choose for Canada. Okay. Well, I just moved because my husband lives here, so... Um... You picked for me, I guess. I just uh, went where he was. And it was Canada, yay. Oh yeah, we lost Thea for a moment. Somebody somebody oh, noticed yeah. she was frozen. I, I assumed she was just sleeping. Just like Geralt in the Witcher game. Occasionally. 
Hello. And there she is. Welcome I, back. I apologize for that. I have no idea. It's it's Discord. I have no idea what's going on with Discord these past few weeks, but the quality of the call is not what it used to be. Yeah, definitely, because our internet is finally fixed here and we have no problems on my side, so I do find it quite odd that I'm still blurry and I believe Gen Z is also. Yes, Alice is okay. And uh, Gen Z and yeah are blurry quite a bit, like a very pixelated, I would say. You can barely recognize them. Yeah, As always. I, I think it's because I'm in Canada, maybe. Mm, uh, maybe, but uh, a couple, I have to say, a couple of days ago, we did a test call among ourselves, and we had Lionheart, for some, who is from England, which is not that far away, and he was also very blurred. Yeah. So I would say that's something uh, that has any kind of connection to Discord. That's on their part, on their end. Mm, weird. <laughs> but anyway, other than Canada, um, Ellis, World Masters, the viewer party. On a scale from 1 to 10, how disappointed are you? Uh, you know, uh, I said, uh, because I was being my usual overly dramatic self, that um, imagine having your hopes and dreams shattered by some stupid fucking virus. Oh, sorry, oh. sorry for the swearing. But <laughs> truth is, nothing really changes because everybody is still going, and we'll just have to gather elsewhere. And probably we'll not be able to take pictures with the girl statue, and we will have to buy the pizza ourselves. So, yeah, like not nothing, nothing really changes other than that. So Holy I'm dream. still very, very much excited to to go to Warsaw and meet all the people. That that doesn't change. Yeah, I think mm. Gulo said it's gonna be the most expensive pizza in his life. <laughs> because I'm uh, not sure if you if you guys know Gulo, uh, he's from the U.S. and he's traveling to attend the event, and they canceled it. So he's basically traveling all the way to Europe uh, to eat pizza with a couple of friends. I almost feel like some of the SETA project people will just still show up as well if they know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we, we have already sure. have confirmation. Yeah, so, you know, we'll make our own fewer party with blackjack and hookers, basically. <laughs> I know that yeah. Baby Jones is awesome. trying to pull something like that, but I'm not sure if I trust his, his skills to, to organize an event like this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he might take the blackjack and hookers part uh, a bit too seriously, I think. Oh yeah, he's all about that. Like, if uh, I know him, right now he's gonna promote his Super Seducer stream in chat. That's Baby Joseph for you guys. Vice <laughs> Sebastian says basically... he promotes it himself. Which part? Uh, Thea, since you are speaking right now, what is going on with the book? You are you are still busy, right? You are still writing. Like you told me that you are writing yes. a little bit every day. Oh my gosh! Yes, I I have begun writing a novel in high school, and it was always the dream to be a writer. But so we went with Plan B and got a law degree. Now now we have the degree, and we're still writing this darn book. And right now I have no excuse. So I get up in the morning, I start writing, I stream, and I go to sleep. So. That's my full-time job, I'd say. And um, hopefully we get it published somewhere this year. I mean, that is the dream. That is what I do during the day, at least. Nice. Yeah, maybe maybe you could tell us something more about the book itself. Because book. Uh, I mm. know already what it's going to be. And some people in chat might be aware as well. But Gene Z Ellis, they are probably not 
up to speed with what kind of book it's gonna be. So that's something more to you. Uh, excuse me, uh, Gen Z. Start at the beginning because I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, all right then. Uh, it's a young adult science fiction. So um, it it I started writing it when The Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner. Those were still the the in things, if I could put it like that. So I wanted to build on that sort of audience, and it it basically results. It's a it's a year and now book, so it's about children all over the world disappearing, and basically what's happening is they're getting abducted by extraterrestrials. So they wake up on a different planet and they have to survive there. And it's all this this massive, uh, what can I put it, gory adventure survival book where children try not to kill each other and survive. <laughs> nice. Lord, Lord of the Flies wow. on a different planet where right. more, more children <laughs> die, <laughs> if I can oh. put it like that. Oh, yeah, the more deaths, the better, right? We, <laughs> exactly. We want children to die. That that makes for a great book. Imagine children not killing themselves. Exactly. That would be that would, that would be a sight to behold. But yeah, how far are you? How that. far you are you into the book? I well, see, the thing is, it's already written. It's about two hundred and three pages, but we wanted to push it to three hundred because no agent will sign me because it's about sixty thousand words. They want 80,000 words because they're still uh, following the trend of the Hunger Games, which is a 100,000 word book. So I'm constantly following in the footsteps of something I might never reach, but that's what we're going for. So I'm currently editing it and trying to make it a bit longer with a bit of filler content and more descriptive um, passages, if I can put it like that, but also not trying to do it overboard. And yeah. when do you expect, expect it to be published? This year, this, this year, year. I, yeah, I won't be waiting much longer, even if it's December, but it should be done before July, and then I'll be working on either self-publishing or getting an agent. Wow. Um, you say you want to have it published this year. Uh, how about the Survivor? Is, is it not going to collide with your plans? Yeah, Survivor essay isn't happening. <laughs> so it's not? I, no, I, I got through to the next round, and I had to fill, uh, fill in a little form where I'd have to say things like whether I would ever assault someone, uh, am I a narcissist from zero to 10? So I think it was a bit, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit too honest maybe. And I don't think that would have made for a great season of Survivor. So I did not get past that round, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, That's... the more you know. <laughs> At least I... you have more time to stream now. Yeah, sure. I think I dodged a bullet in some sorts. But speaking of streaming and doing content creation, um, Birdcast, how did you get the idea of doing a Witcher podcast? And it's not on YouTube, it's only on Sound SoundCloud, I think. At least uh, it's actually only on Patreon. On Patreon. So is, how yeah. on earth so did they I, listen to it on SoundCloud? I link it in the Discord that I have where you basically get into it either you're on patreon or you're on sub and then you're just in there forever the only reason that it's like a quote-unquote paywall is so i can kind of moderate it a lot better but once you're in there you're in there if you really ask me nicely for an invite then you can also come in um and i just link it there usually um and we kind of put it behind this moderating wall as well because of the whole whirlwind thing that happened when i made it known that i wasn't a huge fan of netflix show so if i put it on mm -hmm. youtube publicly 
then I was kind of afraid that Ellis and Raven, who is the other host, uh, would, would be the targets of pretty much anything that I'd had. So I kind of wanted to get ahead of that and just make sure nobody else could target my friends. <laughs> so yeah, that's why. But how did you get the idea of actually doing this show? Um, I know that oh, we you just wanted to complain. We were talking about, about the show and, and I know Ellis was really vocal about all the things that I was vocal about and, and Raven as well. We were just kind of talking in the discord already and everyone around it reading it was like, this is really fun to read. So I was like, well, we'll just put it in a podcast and then everyone can just talk about it in detail and we can complain about it in detail. Uh, I will say that we also try to point out the, the good things, the positive things, because there's a lot of things that they, they did do well. Um, but lore wise, they super missed the mark. And it's yeah. kind of hard to talk about that on like public forums or mm -hmm. Twitter or whatever, because you make yourself a target. So we kept it close with all the people that want to complain with us. And so we just sit there in a complaining circle, complaining. <laughs> it's great. I think, I think people were um, yeah, interested in hearing us talking about The Witcher like in general. And then we had a good topic with, uh, with the Netflix show. So we decided that, okay, when it comes out, it should be, should start like being a thing, this whole, this whole podcast idea. And then the show kind of sucked for us. So we're like, okay, we are doing the podcast now and we are going to complain. Yep. Yeah, we, we didn't really start out with the idea that's like, we're definitely only going to complain. We were going to do a Witcher podcast anyway, and this just yeah. kind of showed up like that. Um, I mean, we're probably just going to talk about some other Witcher stuff as well after the show talk is over. Hopefully a lot more positive stuff. Um, sure. but for now, it's it's really just us talking about the show and just going episode by episode. Um, and we're going to keep doing that anyway. So anybody uh, who wants to vent can just have us do it for them, but in detail and with lore knowledge. <laughs> then they know why they're mad. That's great. Yeah, I actually have a lot of respect for you guys for watching yeah. the entirety of this show. I couldn't. <laughs> I stopped oh. after two and a half episodes. As yeah. a huge Witcher fan, I just couldn't. Really, Weissenbach, you haven't watched the entire series. Nope. And it's, it's, still, it's still progress. It's still progress because uh, when they started showing what is going to be in, in, in the Netflix series, I said, I'm not going to watch it. But then guys like Weevil, Baby Joseph, and other streamers convinced me to give it a shot. And after two and a half episodes, I felt like I lost two and a half hours of my life for something that I do not <laughs> enjoy at all. Damn, that's really interesting. A lot of contrasting opinions. But it's good. It's good to have those opinions, definitely. I'm yeah, I, I, think the, it, right? I think these contrasting opinions come from the fact that people who read the books, who are really invested into the Witcher universe, had mm. different expectations of what the series should be like. Yeah, and people, I people who don't have that lore background expected something else and their expectations were largely met. Mm. If I didn't know about anything about The Witcher, I'll probably say it's a good show. I think it's a good show on on its own. Like as a show, I think it's a good show. I, I mean, people compare it to Xena Warrior Princess all the time, but I really like Xena Warrior Princess, so that doesn't even matter to me. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, people keep saying like, I read the books and I really like it. And then you have me and Alice and Raven who are like, oh, well, we read the books a lot and we didn't like it. Um, and then there's people who only maybe play the games or, and then they, they always go, well, it doesn't look the same as the games, so we don't like it. 
Um, and then there's people that just come in with this. And I think, honestly, the majority of the people that watched The Witcher Netflix have never heard of The Witcher, which is really weird. But like when you look at the numbers, I think that's the majority. And yeah, honestly, is. if it gets more people to read the books and play the games, then I really don't care. Like, let's go get more people, more eyes on it. I think that's only a positive thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can mm. you can see that by the number of streamers who are playing the Witcher games on Twitch, or even Gwent, because they learned uh, about Gwent in The Witcher Three and they started playing The Witcher Three because of the series. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who have never played The Witcher games or read the books who watched the series and had no idea what was happening. So uh, according to them, the series on its own wasn't good enough for them to actually be able to follow the story. And even me, who did not read the books but played some of the games, I had no idea what was happening until I rewatched the series and knew that some things were not following chronologically. So um, yeah, I, I can imagine why a lot of people had negative reactions with regards to the series. Yeah, the timeline yeah, is think- very specific there. Yeah, I think Gen Z can explain it a little bit better than me. <laughs> no, I think the timeline is mostly confusing if you have read the books, which is weird because uh-huh. um, the, the show has a completely different timeline than the timeline mm-hmm. in the books. So if you've read the books, you're like, wait, but that's not supposed to happen then. That's what? That's already supposed to have happened. And so then you're confused. And then I think it's around like six or seven episode where you kind of get the whole, oh, they were all in the same place kind of moment, which... <laughs> it kind of messes with your head and like if you've only played the games then you definitely have no idea about what's going on so mm-hmm. i think it, i think it's unnecessarily confusing in that sense um i'm kind of guessing that that won't be a problem in the next season because you won't have the whole sintra plot going on at the same mm-hmm. time but they might splice in like militalist temple and siri training and all that sort of thing so you never know <laughs> but i hope they make the timeline less confusing for everybody involved yeah. I think it's quite shocking for people who haven't read the books to discover that in certain episodes, uh, the Yennefer and Geralt and Siri timeline could be as far as 80 years apart. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Aretusa, that's when Yennefer is still, you know, a, a teenager. And then you have the Siri uh, element, and that's almost essentially later. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people also don't know that... Um... The difference in age between Yennefer and Geralt, I think they're kind of overlooking that every once in a while. Because Geralt looks really old in comparison. Sorry, Henry Cavill, you, you do a great job, but you look kind of old. <laughs> um, and Yennefer in general, I think the way that they showed her her starting story, her origin story, I would have honestly really preferred if they had spread that out a little bit. Because they kind of dumped the whole thing in episode or in season one. And if they just showed us like bits and pieces of it later in season two and season three, it's like, oh, that's what happened. Oh, that's why she's like this. Or that's why she X, Y, and Z. And they just kind of went, this is Yennefer. Enjoy. There's no more mystery left. And have fun. Yeah, that was actually amazing in the books that um, the background story of Yennefer is like slowly developing. You know, story after story, you get to know her a little bit better. And in, yeah, in, in this exactly. case, it was like one episode and you know everything. Yeah, I think in general they they leave a lot less to the imagination because in the again in the books you don't really hear much. You have this one section about Yennefer. This is when this is further way further in the books, but she's hanging in a tree basically and thinking back on what happened as well. 
And it's the father who walks out on the mother and yells at her, like, it's your elven blood that just uh, poisoned our child, basically. And that's why she's a hunchback and your poisoned elven womb and this and that. And then he walks out to go cheat on her. And she, the mother cries, hits Yennefer. So it's a whole thing. Uh, but she's thinking back on this while talking to a goddess, of all things. Um, and the goddess goes, oh, but you went back, didn't you? Like, do you regret coming back? And it's kind of implied that she killed her parents at that point. Um, but that isn't involved in the story in the show at all. So I'm kind of wondering if they want to add on to it more even in terms of backstory or if they really just didn't want to show Yennefer killing their the parents. Oh, like, oh no, no, that would be too much. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. I never knew that. I think it's time to read the books. It yeah, is, but um, we are wow. going to talk about Yennefer and her backstory a little bit more in the next segment. But... Uh, to stay on the topic of backstories, how did you guys actually meet, Alice and you, Jinzi? Because uh, you were doing the podcast, it was on Discord, like was... we already know that, but how did you guys... It... Was Alice just I your viewer? Alice would be... Yeah, Alice would be better to explain that, because I, I think she found me through the videos and the stream and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think it, it started with YouTube. And then when I started like watching other people's streams on Twitch, I was like, well... Jinziak actually streams as well, so might as well um, go give it a shot. And then I even got like a gift sub and stuff, so I stuck around for a while. Then I got to the Discord, and apparently I was vocal enough about The Witcher in the Discord in particular, so that kind of how it all um, escalated. Escalated? Into the that, that's, that's a very interesting choice of vocabulary here. <laughs> Uh, but Alice, to, to pull your tongue a little bit more, um, you are working on something TA-related, and we oh, I, yes. I was lucky enough to see a preview. Oh, yes. So can you tell us something more about that? Uh, of course. Um, I like to drop leaks every once in a while, but I'm working on a thing that I call <laughs> um, good-looking propaganda, and uh, it's basically uh, an art piece that I'm doing in uh, in Vectors, if if that rings any bells. And uh, it's inspired by the stained glass avatars from uh, from Ranked Gwent. But it's like full bodies, and it's five of them. <laughs> it's uh, it's to sort of hype up people for uh, the three players that are going to be on, on Masters from from the team. So Azikov, Damarkis, and Kleman. And the two of the analysts, because they're also on a team, Green Cricket and Shinri. And uh, they are like wearing outfits basically inspired by the universe or more so by what they would be like in universe, in the Witcher universe. So like Shinri is wearing like robes with scales and it kind of they're kind of like orange and red. It looks like fire or whatever. Um Azigov is wearing like uh, a Scorotel outfit because Scorotel is his favorite faction. He has like pointy yeah. stuff. <laughs> and uh, Damo is wearing like this really pimpy um, armor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's kind of... I'm trying to um, really capture what they would be like in any universe because frankly, I just like to design armors and stuff. <laughs> Sounds extremely cool. Yeah, and speaking yeah. of extremely. speaking of design and of your talent, I think we can leak it because normally it's me doing the Photoshop for 
the episode and trying to Photoshop our guests onto existing Gwen cards, but this time around, it was actually Ellis. Mm-hmm. That's true. We outsourced wow, that bit, good. and you can you can see it. it was it was done very professionally. Yeah, a like, lot for uh, me to learn. I did. Yeah, I I put my face into into Francesca, and the thing about the Francesca card art is that there's like a really um really big like contrast and, and and a shadow on her face. So what I did was I painted all that on top of my face. <laughs> With like my mouse, I didn't even whip out my uh, my my drawing tablet. I just literally just like didn't care. <laughs> it still it still looks very professional, and and Thank I'm I'm you. definitely happy that you you decided to help us out a little bit with with these two. But guys, I think it's it's a good moment to actually start talking about Gwen because that's what this podcast is about. Of course, it's gonna be a different kind of episode. We're gonna talk a lot about the Witcher lore in Gwent rather than balance and what's going on on Reddit and stuff like that. And the first thing I want to talk about, and we briefly mentioned the topic of Yennefer, is the Wife Wars, the Valentine's Challenge, yeah. where as a Gwent player, you had the option to pick one of the sides, and the sides were Yennefer, Triss, and Shani. And you would get some rewards for achieving specific quests. So what do you guys think about challenges like that? Because normally we have a faction challenge where you just choose, you know, Nilgard, Skratel, Anar, stuff like that. And this time around we, we got to choose uh, the Witcher characters. So what do you think about uh, this version of the faction challenge? I mean, I'm always Team Yennefer. Like, always. But if I had to pick somebody to actually marry in the Witcher world, it would just be Shani. It was mm -hmm. it would always be Shani. Because she's so, so sweet. Um, I really like that they added her at all because I kind of felt like, well, it's, if it's the war, then it's always Yennefer versus Triss, right? Um, but in this case, I think Shani did second place. And I think Triss was like last place. I'm <laughs> super okay with that because Triss oh, in the books <laughs> is the worst. She's the worst. I'm sorry, Triss yep. fans. Here it comes. Horrible thing. She does some horrible things in the books. She, I, without even exaggerating, she basically magically roofies Geralt. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yep. Like, she she just gets away with it, and Geralt just kind of meets her afterwards and goes, "I really don't want to touch that anymore, ever." <laughs> like, she he basically friendzones her on the spot, and. Um, then I, I don't know if it's because she's a little bit bitter, but then later on, um, it's kind of Yennefer talking to Philippa and Triss is just kind of there as well. And Yennefer goes, well, I might die soon. So could you at least tell Geralt and, and Siri that I'm not a horrible traitor or whatever? And Philippa's like, nah. And Triss goes, yeah, we, we're not going to do that. And then she's like, okay, well, don't do that then. But could you at least like save Geralt because he might be in danger? And Philippa's like, nah, let's not do that. And Triss is like, yeah, okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to do that. And then she's like, okay, well, at least, at least help out Siri. At least protect Siri. And Philip was like, well, we kind of want to use her for our own goals. So I don't think we're going to do that. And Trace is like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. And that's like her whole thing in that entire conversation. So at that point, it was just over. Like that was, that was the end. If you don't want to help anybody, team Yen forever. So um, just to clarify, do you think the results would be any different if people knew the story of each character? Uh, I think if they, yeah, I think if they really knew everything there is to know about Triss and Yennefer respectively, I think it would definitely change the results uh, a little bit more in one mm -hmm. way or the other. But at the same time, 
I do think that uh, if you've played The Witcher 3, she definitely redeems herself to some extent there, like a lot. Um, because Triss has always kind of been a, a doormat for a lot of people, like Philippa at that point, Yennefer at some point. Um, and in The Witcher 3, she really kind of goes her own way where she's like, you know what? I am done with guys. I'm just gonna save my witches and uh, gonna go to Kovir and do my thing. If you wanna come, come. If not, then well, whatever. I guess I'll come to care more at some point. Um, so I do appreciate that. But I think if you read the books as well, you get to know a lot more about Yennefer. And I think that's the one thing that game fans maybe won't get so much because Yennefer is introduced in The Witcher 3 and you have Triss in 1 and 2, even though in 1 she's also horrible at times. Um, and you don't really get to know much about Yennefer as a person. So I, what I hear from a lot of people is that Yennefer is this cold-hearted bitch. Like, she's the worst. And, you know, uh, Geralt just kind of gets used by her. Um, but if you read the books, then you know how much Yennefer sacrifices for, especially for Ciri, but also for Geralt. Like, she, that's a spoiler, by the way, for the books. But, like, she basically, literally dies trying to save Geralt um, and she almost dies trying to save Ciri as well so she's very self-sacrificing she just she's very tsundere about it she doesn't want to tell people it's like yeah I love you guys but I just don't want to say it out loud because it's weird and awkward um, so it's it's like it's a whole thing about getting to know somebody properly but you can't really know that if you've only played the game so I get that team in I, I have a bunch of things to say uh First of all, I think the wife war, like the Valentine challenge, is childish and stupid. And, and second of all, uh, on the topic of if people chose differently, if they know like knew like the first full story, um, I think not necessarily because there's a there's a slight difference how these characters are um, to these to these people um, in in the games because they are playing as girls, so the, the characters are not really reacting to the people about to Geralt and there might be uh actually a huge difference in how these characters are to Geralt and how would they be to potential like a different partner and uh maybe maybe that um is sort of the deal maker or breaker when it comes to these these like one players choosing their team quote unquote yeah i think a lot of people maybe project what their their Triss would be like to them, you know? Mm, Triss would love me. Totally. Yeah. That's really interesting. So you think it's objectifying them in a way because even though they both were drawn to um Geralt, they wouldn't necessarily be drawn to the people who choose them as their waifus, right? It wouldn't necessarily be compatible. Um it's really interesting. I like that. <laughs> Sorcerers are kind of jerks <laughs> like that. Yeah. I think the only reason at some point that, because this is in the book someplace as well, that the only reason Triss got interested in Geralt in the first place is that because he was with Yennefer and she saw the whole relationship between them as being super interesting and like different than everything else that they had. So she wanted some of that too. So that's how, that's why after a, a breakup between Geralt and Yennefer, she did the magical roofie and, um, you know, check what it was all about to sleep with Geralt. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird reason to pick some guy. And then, yeah. then the infatuation grew. So, yeah. Damn. I think the there best part is, uh, because you said something about, you know, Yennefer sacrificing a lot for Ciri and, and Geralt. 
And while yeah. that's true, I I still remember that part when Yennefer was like, on the verge of dying for Ciri, and Geralt did nothing but just shag Fringilla into so at yeah. the very same moment. Well, um, the reason he did that though is be that's actually why Yennefer asks Philippa to basically clear her name. <clears throat> Geralt thinks that she betrayed them um, because uh, somewhere on the route, when he's traveling with Regis and Cahir, etc., um, they are followed, so they are found constantly. And he thinks that's because Yennefer basically told the enemy, is working with the enemy, because that would be the only reason why they could do that, because he figured out vampires can't be found magically. They're completely like invisible for magical detection. But they thought that the group that they were traveling with was basically the, the correct number minus one. So whoever was finding them was using magic. And the only person who he thought could really do that was Yennefer. And technically she was doing that, but against her will, because, okay. And again, this is a major spoiler. If you're like watching the show and you really don't want to know this, then I would really suggest you read this because this is a super spoiler. Um, Vilgefortz captures Yennefer, puts her in a torture chair, basically, and magically forces her to make a connection with Geralt. Uh, and that way, Vilgefortz can figure out where they are. So yeah, technically through Yennefer, they're found. Um, but it's not like Yennefer is just sitting there having tea with Vilgefortz going, wow, let me tell you where they are now. Like this, you're not going to believe this. Um, she's, she's getting tortured. She's like dying in a dungeon. Her nails are bloody. Like she's having the worst time. Um, but Geralt doesn't know that. So he just like, well, she betrayed us. So I'm going to shack somebody else and she can go get, well, I also screwed, I guess. Um, until he eventually hears about a thing from uh, where Siri might be. I won't spoil that. Um, but he kind of figures out where Siri might be and he goes on his way again, but he still thinks Yennefer betrayed them. So it's like a whole thing. It's this, it's the confusion story, basically. And Fringilla was also appointed to get as close to girls as possible. So yeah. it kind of happened for that reason too, in a way. Anyway, the reason why we talk <laughs> why we talk about this challenge is, um, other than the challenge being part of the game, um, CDPR for the first time introduced um, cosmetics based on notable Witcher characters, right? Because right now we got we got the carbacks. You have Jennifer, Triss, Shani carback. If you want to buy them, and my question would be, do you think that CDPR should just um, make more cosmetics based on lore, based on characters like Geralt or Ciri or, you know, people that, that we know from the books and games. Because if you look at the shop right now, there isn't really much lore-friendly stuff there. I think the entirety of Gwent isn't really lore-friendly. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think they really need to care, but I do think that um, they could get a lot of really cool inspiration from lore if they wanted to. Definitely. So, yeah. Shirtless Yorveth, when? <laughs> Young Yorveth. In a but that's like, that's like the easiest money in the world. <laughs> I'll buy it. To be honest, Same. I'm one of those people who were really, really upset Yorveth was nowhere to be found in the Witcher Right? Today. Thank you. I loved, I loved his, uh, his questline so much, and Vergen is the most beautiful place in the Witcher 2. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. But speaking of Yorveth and Skoyato, um, mm -hmm. you know, other than them being elves that everyone loves, 
uh, the faction has been consistently oppressive, some might say, or overpowered. And do you think that there is something in the lore that just draws new players to play Squiatel? Oh, for sure. Uh, honestly, elves. <laughs> I think that's like the, the simplest explanation. People yeah. love elves. It's just, uh, I don't know, like the whole flavor of, of the faction is, I think, very appealing. Um, maybe I'm biased, but like there's there's this whole like the, the fight for freedom thing going on and there's the racial diversity thing going on and people just like fantasy in general and Skrotel is full of like these classic fantasy races, be it dryads or elves or dwarves or whatever. So I think that might be quite appealing to people. Yeah. And the fact is quite easy to play too, so that's a factor for sure. But I, I do think that the flavor makes a lot of that popularity. And um, Squirtle happens to be both of your favorite factions, right? And oh, what yeah. drew you to it? Um, elves. Elves? <laughs> elves. <laughs> oh. I mean, Squirtle in general. Okay, if, if we want to be super detailed, which we definitely don't, uh, I wrote a whole script about this. It's that deep. But the whole arc of the Squiatel and what happens to them in the world is just so much more interesting to me than anything else. Because I, I know that they're kind of the allegory for racism, right? That's the non-humans and we're going to burn them at the mm -hmm. stake. Um, but they all, mm -hmm. they kind of do and they don't have the stereotypical haughty elf thing where the ones that are the smartest, that are getting the furthest, they're the ones that, yeah, they have pride but they also see where it's going. Like, they know what's happening. They're not stupid. They can be pride all, proud all they want, but if they don't fix what's going on right now, then they're dead, pride or not. Um, which is why I think the whole Jordveth versus Yavin is really cool, because Yavin is kind of an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he's, this, he's an idiot that really believes in his cause. And then there's Jordveth, and when you tell him about Yavin, he goes, yeah. Oh, that poor bastard. Like, ooh. Well, he's nice, <laughs> but like, I wouldn't hang with him, just saying. Um, so they're these kind of opposites of the same faction still, whereas when you go, for example, to the Eternal Fire, they're all zealots. They're all, I want to burn everybody at the stake, and we all want to go to the Eternal Fire for the rest of our lives. So mm -hmm. I think there's just more interesting characters, honestly, in Squirtle. Yeah, Sapkowski puts an interesting spin on like the classic fantasy elf sort of trope or whatever, and I kind of like that too. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. One thing okay. that people always Makes forget sense. about when talking about Squirtle, it's it's always the elves. It's always the elves. And I'm just sitting here dreaming about Mahakam being its own faction. <laughs> I really... Oh. I, I might even want to, want to jump ship if that happened. I think the problem with Mahakam is very much that the people running Mahakam don't like the Squirtle. Mm, um, yeah. They actually sacrificed dwarves um, to keep people from joining the Squiatel. So when the the Squiatel started appearing, and I'm just gonna go answer Oyerfeldi in the chat as well real quick. Um, the elder races aren't really being called Squiatel. The elder races are pretty much everyone um, up to and in, including the elves. And everything after that is just new, I guess. Um, the, the faction should be called other races. Yeah, exactly. But the Squiatel kind of used the whole elder races bond, quote unquote, to get people into their faction, right? It's like, you should mm -hmm. fight with us because we have to stop those evil humans from doing human things. Um, 
so they also tried to do this with the dwarves in Mahakam and the people running the place uh, were not okay with that. They, because they like money and the Scoyotel taking young dwarves that would otherwise work in the mines to go fight and die for basically for the elves, if we're being honest, because the dwarves were doing okay. Um, that kind of clashed with that. So the leaders kind of got together and said, well, if you want to join the Scoyotel, then we, we just abandon you. You're no longer part of us. You can go die. We don't care. We're not going to protect you. Um, which is when the, the cleansing of Mahakam basically happened. So the Blue Stripes, if you've played The Witcher 2, you know this, the Blue Stripes went to Mahakam and they purged a whole bunch of people, basically, that were going to join the Scoyotel and just were killed before they could, um, which kind of deterred a lot of dwarves from joining up after that. <laughs> so most of the dwarves you see were already either exiled from Mahakam or they were in towns and getting mistreated by humans. So it's like, it's a very small amount of dwarves that are actually in the Scoyotel because they're doing okay with humans. Like they're trading. Um, humans don't hate them as much as elves because they didn't fight with Nilfgaard that one time. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the elves are just kind of trying to use their bond and sometimes failing. <laughs> yeah, because one thing about um, Gwent and, and dwarves in, in Scoyotel that is really confusing to me, we, we got this expansion called um, Iron Judgment that was somehow revolving around the Battle of Brenna. Mm -hmm. And in the Battle of Brenna, the dwarves from Mahakam were actively fighting against Scoyatel. Yeah. While yeah, actually were... being uh -huh. Scoyatel cards in Gwent. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was really confusing for me as somebody who's really into the lore. Yeah. Yeah, no, oh. it's just that the faction should be called Elder Races. That's all it there is. Be. Yeah, for sure. We had this conversation on stream so many times as well. Calling it the Scoyatel faction is really awkward, especially because uh, they also have things like dryads and like, yeah, the dryads help them, but only when a Scoyatel comes into the woods and it has to be an elf because they only really accept elves um, and then they heal them, but they don't go into battle with them or anything. It, it's nothing like that. Uh, and the gnomes and the halflings definitely wouldn't want to do that. They, because they're, they kind of have their own communities going. Um, there's this one moment in the books where they, there's a bunch of soldiers that attack a halfling village, quote unquote, and they seem really weak and easy pickings, but the halflings absolutely mutilate them, just destroy oh, them. Oh, yeah. They, they don't stand a chance. That was such a good of, moment, though. Yeah, and they kind of just keep to themselves, right? They have like these small communities and like don't come into them. We're, we don't we fuck with you, you don't fuck with us, and that's it. Um, so to think that they would just join the square tail because they want to have freedom. That doesn't really happen. <laughs> but um, we were talking about the uh, appeal of Scratel for uh, when it comes to newer and also existing players. Do you think that every faction in Gwen has that kind of appeal? Like, has enough of a background story that is somehow attractive to people, attractive to players? Uh, yeah. Like, if you like fantasy, you definitely find one faction that kind of... Um matches you or what you usually like i don't know like somebody just likes boats sees skill again it's like yeah okay fine good honestly i think the the only one that that doesn't really make sense if you don't know the witcher is nilfgaard and northern realms because they're both just armies basically so if you have no idea what's going on they're just like okay well, that's an army and that's also an army that's nice I'll just toss a coin, I guess. Toss a coin to your army? Mm -hmm. 
or valley of um i don't know <laughs> um okay moving on uh, because you said that it doesn't really make sense um, if you are if you don't know the Witcher books, but if you know the Witcher books, there's one faction that, according to me, makes even less sense, and that's the Syndicate. Yeah. Can um, you tell um, us how much of a good job CDPR did when it comes to Syndicate? Like, is there even enough lore to to build a faction like this? I think they just wanted to have a crime faction, which. That's fair. Like they, ha they probably had ideas in terms of what they wanted mechanic-wise, and then they needed to fit something on that. Um, I don't really think that a syndicate as such would exist, uh, even though they kind of wrote the lore themselves. So they can do what they want, yeah. really, when it comes down to it. It's not really a part of the books. Um, <clears throat> but I think in the if you go just by the books in general, I don't think in Novigrad this would exist, because Novigrad is very much a trade city and having a syndicate like this having this many crime lords um would actually interrupt their trades because they are known kind of as a save haven if, if you think about it think of it as a swedish bank that's basically what it is if you want to transfer money you go to novigrad if you want to be somewhere safe and neutral go to novigrad um which does make it a good base but if they only ever operate within novigrad that would just destroy the city real fast um and if even Kovir is willing to trade in Novigrad, you know that it has to be safe. So in that sense, it doesn't work. Um, but I really do like that they try to add their own lore. So I I don't mind the Syndicate faction as it comes as a as just a Gwent idea. I think it's really cool that they that they don't just try to only take from the lore that already exists because you're going to run out. So if you want to keep the game healthy, you have to write your own. Yeah, pretty pretty much same. I pretty much agree. I think it's it's like a cool idea because when you when you only base factions on like locations, it starts to kind of feel the same. And I mean, Novigrad is is a location, but like the the feel and the the theme, the aesthetic of the faction is completely different. There's the coin mechanic, which is completely different. And uh, I I think maybe at the end of the day, it was even a better pick than Zerikania, which I was praying for for the longest time, but. Um, Syndicate is growing on me. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Zurichania, we were just about to ask, um, seeing that Syndicate has its own entire faction and people are often talking about a possible expansion uh, involving Zurichania, mm -hmm. do you even think there's enough lore to build around that? What's your opinion? Oh yeah, yeah for I sure. So. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, right. it, like we just said, I think they, if they build their own lore like they did it with Syndicates, I think there's even more to go from because they have like a Kind of a loose idea of what Zerikania is. You have a few details mm -hmm. that you do know from the books. Um, and if they just go from, okay, so that's kind of the setting. This is kind of what they do. So they have the whole manticore thing going on, the terrible poisonous things that live there, the flies that eat your brains. There's Dragon plenty cult. to just, yeah, to just reiterate um, around just the entire faction. Uh, I think they can go many places, especially dragon wise. Because mm -hmm. they they worship dragons in Zeracania as a, just as a religion, so this would be the best time to just add a, a full flight of dragons to the <laughs> game, and I would love to see that. I love dragons. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah, I think that would be very appealing for a lot of players because okay, yeah, mm -hmm. we say that everyone loves elves, but come on, dragons. Right. <laughs> How badass is this? Exactly. 
Now, um, they did something similar with Ophir, because Ophir is also one of those lands that we don't really don't know much about, uh, based on the books and the games. And they did decide to essentially drop an entire expansion based on Ophir. Yeah. Uh, do you actually think it was a good choice? Do you think there is still enough to uh, to build around when it comes to like the more known parts of the of the continent? Or do do, um, do they have to restore to 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 to, re to resort to to use you know places that we don't really know? If they use any new place, even if it's Ophir that we barely know anything about, what I would really like to see is that they made like a little bit of a scenario around it. So that maybe they're introducing new cards and new names, new big characters, and you just have a little bit of a conversation with them. It's like, oh, that's that person. They live there. They do this. And it's like, it kind of binds you to those cards a little bit more instead of, oh, yeah, that's X, Y, or Z from Ophir. I guess it's a decent card. Um, because I think a lot of the appeal from Gwent initially came from people that knew the characters, knew the story. And they were like, okay, I want to play the cards with these. That's going to be amazing. Um, so in terms of Ophir, I did like the expansion, but for a lot of cards, I just thought, okay, they look a little bit bland. I don't know who these people are. I don't really care. Um, whereas when someone shows up, it's like, it's Regis. Oh my Lord. Oh my God. It's, they added Angulem. That's amazing. You know, you have that reaction. So if they make a new region entirely, I'd really like to see a scenario about it. Actually, something they, like that. Like, yeah. We are going to cycle back to you, Alice, in the moment. They, I have, just... they, have, they have been writing like a little bit. Um, to to each expansion, but um, with Merchants of a Fear in particular, there like is a whole story going on. It's just it haven't hasn't been like explicitly explained, but you can you can see there was like a there was like a heist thing going on. You can see the merchants in Skirtel art because Skirtel like Vernosia's commando basically um attacked them on their way to Novigrad. They were um traveling with uh. With the tiger's eye, the huge diamond, then you can hear like voice lines from card street urchins from from syndicate, some something about a diamond, and and there, there's like these little bits that kind of do make up the story, but as as I said, it hasn't been like explicitly explained what the what the story is actually about. What would be extra cool at that point then is that you unlock the scenario once you've collected all of the cards from that expansion. And then you just kind of they just kind of flow together into the story. That would be super cool. I'd love that. The way they could do it is, and I know for a fact that it was in the game files, but never implemented is certain characters and leaders would interact with one another. Yeah. So when 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 see uh, so the idea was, for example, when you used Siri as your avatar and you played against somebody who's used, you used Eridin as as the avatar, the avatars would like react to one another in a specific way. Mm -hmm. That was the idea and it was yeah. partially implemented, but never really in the game. It, it was somewhere in the files. I know that they were, they were testing the idea, but it was never in any live version of the game. All right. Yeah, they, I know they do that in Hearthstone as well. So maybe they thought it was too much like it or they wanted to save it for scenarios as well. I'd like them to add that back in, honestly. That sounds yeah, really cool. All of, it, all of it is now on the Vikia page for, for Gwent in the unreleased content section. You can read like all the reactions. There there's even like recorded voice lines, all of it. It's uh it's pretty funny sometimes. There's like Letho reacting to Yennefer saying something like, I don't know what all the fuss is about, and it's great. <laughs> Another thing that I saw is it doesn't come from CDPR, it comes from the fans. Somebody actually had this idea of making like 
specific effects for specific cards. So, for example, when you played uh, Karanthir, you know, his theme from The Witcher 3 would play or something like that. Yeah. Like special yeah, effects like for like, noticeable characters mm -hmm. from the games and the novels. Yeah, for sure. I like that too. Yeah, I think right now maybe the cards are a little bit too mellow. And maybe that's because there are so many gold cards, but I I'd like them to give him a little bit more, you know, like, oomph, like pizzazz, <laughs> jazz hands. There is something <laughs> like that they added uh this patch so uh we have this uh sewer board oh, yeah, and when you when you play the plague maiden you know rats start to swarm out of the sewers for like two yeah or three that seconds. was really cool i really like that they did that for sure that's a really nice touch mm -hmm. but i saw someone in chat talking about the van morlehams and that's actually my next question because uh the last expansion we saw things that don't really make sense lore wise like vampires and novgaard or or Ophir cards in Northern Realms, despite, you know, Ophir being, like, far south to Nilfgaard, like, not even close yeah. to an R. Do you think that adding themes like that to established factions kind of blur their identity? I actually do. Um, I kind of get why they, why they did it in this case, because, you know, Toussaint has vampires, so you can kind of be both, but I think... Uh, especially if you if you're trying to build a faction identity, I think it's good to keep them separate. Um, and especially because in Toussaint, there's so much else you can add that doesn't necessarily have to be vampires. Um, I don't think it was necessary, and it does kind of make me feel weird to put vampires in a deck for uh, for Nilfgaard, especially because they don't have that much synergy just for being vampires at that point. Uh, so I don't really know what it does for you. I know that there is a few decks that kind of work with it, but uh, I don't know. It, it feels awkward. It makes it feel a little bit weird. Yeah, the way I explained on stream was lore-wise, theme-wise, it would be just better if, the, if those were like nobles, you know, killing each other off to get closer to the yeah. Imperial Throne. Because this, exactly. Because yeah. we, know, we know this happens in Novgorod quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would have been fine. They, there was no reason for them to really specifically be a vampire at that point, for sure. Like, I think they did the vampire stuff to just like open enough room to add cards like Sienna or uh, not Sienna, uh, Oriana or or Deadlaf to Novgaard, because they mm. are set into some which is part of Novgaard, and we already see that certain characters exist in multiple factions at the same time. For example, Dijkstra, who is. Uh, who used to be in our card, now it's in Syndicate. And, you know, we have neutral cards that also exist in, in faction-specific cards. Uh, Felipa has two cards in different factions. Yeah. So so maybe that's the idea. Maybe just, you know, add vampires to kind of open the, the way for, for Oriana and Deadlaf to, to mm -hmm. be a new guard. I think if they keep doing that, honestly, that's just even... I want to say worse in terms of faction identity. If everyone kind of has the same cards and they kind of go the same way, then all of the flavor just, that's lost... They kind of already have this with the Square Cell faction already, because, you know, they don't really focus on one thing either. So if they do it with everybody, then I think it might be going a bit too far. I mean, it's not going to happen a lot, obviously, because they even said that there's going to be fewer expansions moving forward. So mm. Um, mm. it's not going to happen anytime soon. But looking at the cards and looking at factions as is right now, at the, at the very moment... Do you think that these factions are even properly represented lore-wise? 
uh lore wise there could be a lot of changes and again i'm gonna just go straight up with squatel they they like we said earlier it should have been called elder races if they were gonna add everybody in there then it should have just been elder races straight up um i think that they kind of have to stretch it a little bit because like i said if they don't write their own stories outside of this then they're gonna they're gonna run into barriers so when they made Thronebreaker, I thought that was a really good way to add a story and then add more cards to specific factions. Um, I would have liked to see them do more of that. I know that Thronebreaker apparently didn't do that well, mm -hmm. so then they can't really make... I would have really liked a Squayatel story, and then after that, you know, maybe just a Nilfgaard-only story. Just do like a whole bunch of different things, and you can kind of explore characters and maybe see some of the story that you didn't see in the books. Um, so I'm kind of sad they didn't do more of that. I think that would have worked perfectly, but I also get that it's expensive to do that, obviously. Um, but if they want to keep things kind of around the same idea, I think they're going to have to write like a lot of more lore, like a lot more lore, unfortunately. Or fortunately, yeah. whatever. And um, uh, if, oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> there's, uh, there's definitely room for improvement in every faction. Mostly, probably monsters, because right now Wild Hunt doesn't really have anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dominant archetype is a fucking joke. Mm. Uh, and they're not really monsters if you think about it. Mm, no, that's that's also that's also true. That's also true. That's a fair point. But then again, like the Wild Hunt is kind of a big thing, and the Witcher Three made it even a bigger thing. And where do you like want to put them? Because like they're the bad guys, but they also like don't exactly fit in Skirtel and it's it's kind of tricky. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of a little bit of both, really. Um I wouldn't even be too upset if they had made them their own faction, but at that point you're definitely gonna have a lot of problems trying to make new cards for them. Yeah. So they're weird. I, I almost would say put them in neutral at that point. Then it can be anyway. Somebody actually did design a, a an, an elf faction. So Wild Hunt okay. Elves as a separate faction. It took a lot of work, I assume, and there was like various iterations of it. But somewhere on Reddit, uh, I, I don't think I can find it now, there is a post and it involves, you know, 100 plus cards. Hmm. Somebody wow. actually spent, you know, a lot of time designing a complete new hmm. NL faction. That's Honestly, insane. what Bribery says as well, they could just make a dual faction cards as well. Yeah. And just not make it only monsters or only Squirtel. Oh, I love this idea of dual faction cards. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That makes sense. That I've always wanted sense. to have, you know, Vryhead units and Novgaard. That makes sense. <laughs> it's, it it's, would make sense. It's very, it's very lore friendly. Did. Of course you did, Weisenberg. <laughs> but, I mean, it would make sense. Um, yeah, you I'm could let them die on the board. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Speaking of, if you two uh, were in CDPR and could decide what the new expansion would revolve around lore-wise, what would that be? Hmm. Oh, that's uh, Honestly, I've been championing Zeracania for like the longest time now. Yeah. Zeracania. I love the idea of Zeracania. Um, but if I'm perfectly honest, what I'd really like to see somebody explore, at least, is beyond the Northern Mountains. Um, because mm -hmm. we only get like a few dots of information. We get Milva talking about the great archers of the Northern Mountains and the bows that they use. And then there's the white dragons that also roam those lands, apparently. Um, 
but we don't really get to see more of that. And I, I would really like to see CD Projekt just go, okay, we have literally two bits of information about this. Let's make it do like, we'll just make this a thing. Uh, and they can do ex like everything they want. They have like no boundaries because it's a completely unknown zone. It's just like a frost zone that we don't really have either because we have like a desert. We have rainy northern realms, I guess. Uh, Nilfgaard praising the sun on the islands, but we have no snow. We have zero actual frost factions, um, except for I guess the wild hunt. But who even knows about them? So just a just a blank slate. That'd be nice. It's interesting. I've I've thought about like. Uh future expansions um, quite a bit. Um, I've heard some ideas as well. There was like this whole, um, the return of Dagon plus weather plus like uh, Sidaris and all the fishermen there and like Essie Daven card finally. Oh. Jesus Christ. And now that's, that could be interesting. Um, I have thought about uh, something revolving around Lara Doren and like the whole Elder Blood thingy because there's there's a lot to cover. There could be more wild hunt cards. There could be a proper wild hunt archetype with that. Um, there could be a lot of new northern realms like um, like monarchs and and nobles from the past, uh, and, and a bunch of and a bunch of like uh, scrotal cards, I guess too. And uh, I think Lara is an interesting character as well. Sure. So I would I would like her um, to have a card in the game. So that's a thing. Um, those. Honestly, expansion-wise, they wouldn't be completely remiss to just um, take anything that happened in the past and kind of expand on it, right? Yeah. Because um, like, much. like you mentioned the Lara Dorn thing, and there's like all these these mysterious mysterious stories from the past and legends, etc. And they don't really get explained well, but there's a lot of just interesting stuff that happens that could definitely make a set. Like the entire Lara Dorn, even just what happened between her and uh, Kragenan of Lod and like the whole conspiracy and the fight with the elves like that could mm -hmm. be a whole thing on its own too well, like a, a lot of uh, maybe, well, maybe uh, yeah yeah uh, maybe like mm -hmm. a lot of bandits like there could be like Falcos rebellion yeah thingy going on or um like Witcher 2 nostalgia Lachmuin Vrans and like the OG elven mages yeah, and stuff. Sure. That could be interesting too. One thing I was wondering, and it doesn't really have any connection to Gwen, but Jinzi, uh, you said there's something about exploring, you know, lands like beyond the northern mountains. And there's something yeah. I've been always wondering: how come nobody in the Witch universe ever got this idea of sailing westwards? I think honestly, <clears throat> in the case of normal people, it's just that they don't have the money or the energy, because. <laughs> Especially in like then, if you're just a peasant in the northern realms, you're sitting there going, "Well, my field looks like trash. I should fix my field." And then your wife runs out and is like, "Darling, we should go beyond the northern mountains and make our fortunes." And then you turn around and say, "Woman, shut up! I have to have food." Um, and this is kind of a little bit of this you see in the story of Kovir and Povis, um, because people that went to Kovir, which is just before the northern mountains. They were all called crazy because Kovir and Povis were wastelands. There was nothing there. So they sent their criminals there, their um, wayward sons, people that didn't know what they wanted to do with. And uh, the king of Rodania was all, okay, I'll send my stupid relative there because I hate him. 
Um, and then they sat there in that wasteland and suddenly they realized that, oh, there's gems in their mountains, there's gold in their mountains, there's silver in their mountains. And then everyone went, oh, maybe we should go to Kuvir. That sounds like a lovely place. I think I want to live there. Um, but at that point, it was basically a bandit land. Um, there was crime, there was everything. Um, so it wasn't exactly safe, but everyone who had kind of an out of the box idea they went to Kovir. So if you were a scientist and you were like, you know what, I want to make an airplane and everyone around you went, that's stupid. We're not going to help you do that. You packed your bags and you went to Kovir and said, hey, I want to make an airplane. And everyone in Kovir went, well, we're all crazy. So sure, why not? Let's give it a go. Um, but that's kind of the type of people that went there. And the initial group was forced. So to get somebody to then also go beyond that, climb over the mountains and then go to that frosty wasteland where there's dragons, there's be dragons in them mountains. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get everybody to do that and be like, that sounds like a fantastic idea. That's a very okay. good point. Yeah, there's, there's also like, maybe, maybe some people have like, for example, sailed um, west, but they have never returned. So nobody yeah. really knows. Yeah, because they, um, they really only know about this part, right? Yeah, pretty much. And same goes, like, for example, um, getting, like, east of Blue Mountains. Maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just that dangerous. Maybe that's why people don't really want to go. Or they're, they're scared of the unknown. Like, that's also a thing. Yeah, and I think, um, in large part, what we know is pretty much what Geralt knows. And what Geralt knows is mostly what's in the Northern Realms. Um, so there mm -hmm. might have been Zeracanians and Ophirans that did travel that far, but we don't know about that because Geralt doesn't talk to them. Like he barely knows about it, so we don't either. Which is very interesting because I see some some like hints to to how it looked like in our world. Like we, we like in our world, we only focus about the European exploration of the Americas. But we always forget about the failed attempts by, by various other nations that tried to sail westwards and never made mm -hmm. it. Like yeah, the Mali Vikings, Empire, for, for instance. They, they tried a couple of times, and those expeditions never returned. Yeah, and it's kind of the same way. And it's um, Siri actually mentions it, because she uh, talks to uh, her friend in Gors Velen. Um, this isn't in the show, so this is like extra story, I guess. Uh, she has this little boy that kind of shows her around Gors Velen before she goes into Atatuza. And um, he talks about what he wants. And Siri at some point prophesizes about him and says that he's going to go sailing to new unexplored lands. So maybe she's kind of prophesizing their version of Columbus or, you know, well, let's not actually say Columbus. Columbus was not a good guy. Um, anyway, a world explorer that will eventually go west. Um, to figure out what's there, which kind of implies that it hasn't been done yet, um, but it will be in the future. So if Sedefrek would want to, they could also just make an expansion around this famous explorer that goes around the world and finds great new lands, and they could do whatever they want with that. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a collection of stories written by Ukrainian and Russian authors based on The Witcher, and in some of these stories, there is actually a lot about the very same person you just talk about sailing west and exploring some yeah, islands and stuff like yeah. that. I've never yeah, read no, those stories, but I've heard about them. 
I didn't even know they existed, but that's a really cool. Yeah, so we went in fanfic on that one. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I didn't know exist. For instance, uh, I thought that c characters, like we talked about uh, the uh, Merchants of Fear expansion, and, and you said that, you know, Radea and, and Mada, they're just made up characters. But they actually come from the comics that CDPR released at some point between The Witcher 1, uh, The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 3. Oh. Okay. Somebody sent them to me. So these characters mm -hmm. already existed within uh, the universe as created by CDPR. I know about the, the comic from the, uh, you know, the entire ending of the Jorvets line, I guess. But I didn't even know about any between 2 and 3. I think it was either between 2 and 3 or shortly after 3. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, the Dark Horse comics, I can't really add to my canon, unfortunately. Though they are very well done, so like as fanfic, they're great. Um, I think maybe they added some in there as well, because I think Seda Project also works with them reasonably closely. I wouldn't really know who made them. But mm. I know that I've I'll heard about them, that. somebody somebody sent them to me. I know they exist. And I know they, okay. they, they are official CDPR signed. But okay. there's something something else I want to talk about, and that's uh, cards, like lore-friendly cards, for example, leaders, that have been removed from the game, and they are kind of not there anymore. Do we do we want them back in some capacity? Because when when they decided to decouple uh, leader cards from from animations, all the leader cards, all the art just disappeared from the game. It's not there anymore, and we know that there are cards like, for example, Henry Van Atra. Um, or, or Dagon that did exist in the game before and still kind of wait for their turn to, re to, to be put back? Like, for the art alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the art's really cool. I like Dagon as a character because I like Lovecraft's stories, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, I think it's like the more the better, honestly. If you have more choice, then great. And in this case, because there's just leader abilities and they can make skins of whatever i think they should just add as much as they can like if they have a cool skin add it to the cash shop and let's go i don't think that's a problem at all yeah i was thinking more about cards because we had we every single leader used to have a card and yeah. these cards are no longer in the game you can even use them um in your um account uh shit where you where you could just you know uh add them as your favorite card then they'd have to have new abilities, right? Yeah, they're, yeah they're... I definitely want them back, for sure. I, I think it's just um, quite quite poor that these cards with amazing lore and stories behind them just don't exist in the game anymore. It might just be saving them for making an actual expansion with, though. Like, especially for Dagon, I know that there's been a lot of talk about that one. Kind of like yeah. they did with Rodania? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, if you have this already existing lore that you don't really have to do too much extra writing for, I don't see why you wouldn't just use it mm. instead of going, well, here's your cards back, basically. <laughs> yeah, they, they did that with a lot of cards because when Homecoming first dropped, like, all the Redanian cards were removed from NR and a lot of people suspected that Redania will be its own faction. Oh, and no. then it was explained that um, Slama got the, Jason Slama, the game director, got this new idea of doing Syndicate. So they abandoned um, their work on Redania as a new faction and they, they just re-implemented Redania into an R and started working on Syndicate instead. 
and then our judgment out and bumbles at everybody. <laughs> I don't think Redania would be a great idea as just a faction. I yeah, think, for especially sure. for that one, um, when it comes to making new cards, you're going to get stuck really fast. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you go, Vaisa. Uh, yeah, what I wanted to say is, uh, or, or ask actually, because um, every character, every gold card essentially, has a story behind it. And if you could pick a couple of cards that are truly represented to how they are in the books, which cards would it be? Because hmm, I remember CDPR saying it's very difficult to design a card that would do something even remotely close to how that character was in the books. I honestly like the Yordavath cards. Um, yeah. Because they do traps. And that is literally what he does. <laughs> he even says it out loud when he, when he meets Roach. He goes, mm -hmm. he has this whole little evil villain monologue where he's like, oh, I made all these plans. I've set traps. And now you walk into my forest. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's... I guess that's your thing. <laughs> I think I think Angulan is like pretty um representative of what Angulan was like. She's like, you know, laughing and stuff. <laughs> uh I don't know. Like I like for example Regis Higher Vampire because it's like the actual big bat that he is supposed to be, according to the books, not that weird naked skinny thing that he's in Witcher 3. Weird, naked, skinny, which thing? <laughs> no, <laughs> like the, the, the vampire design in, in in that game is just like sort of um weird. Actually, I am surprised. We that ever they... get to see or like read about how vampires are supposed to look like? Because I know that the way we see Regis and Detlef and other vampires, it's not how they normally look like in their natural habitat. They only assume yeah. this form to mm -hmm. appeal to humans. I honestly, if we go by the Witcher books, um, then you would feel like they look like humans in that sense. Um, but they do have their bat form. Like it, it is an actual bat and he never takes that form in the games. But when you go by the games, then I think what's most likely is that they look, they all look like the elder. So yeah, humanoids, but they look a little bit like a skeleton as well. And a little bit like a bat also in terms of like movements and things like that. Because the Elder has no reason to hide himself, right? Because he's just sitting there in a cave and if a human walks in, then he kills him. He does not care. So yeah. I think it kind of depends on what, what part you look at. Uh, because like I said, Seda Project never uses Regis's bat form, which we know for a fact he does have. Um, but he'd also, Regis also doesn't talk about it in the books. He doesn't say, well, Actually, Geralt, what we really look like is we have five tentacles, one of them coming out of our mouth. Like They don't actually bring it up at all, because um, there's no reason to. So if you really want, then it's not anti-lore to just say that the games are canon in that, in that sense. Because again, it, it's just not brought up at all. Okay, um, a couple of minutes ago I asked about characters that are properly represented. That, that their ability kind of shows what they are in, in the books. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of characters that are missing. Mm -hmm. And which of those would you really like to see in Gwent? Essie Davin! Essie Davin. Uh, yep. Uh, I think we're, <laughs> we're bonding over that one. We want Essie Davin in the game, say the project. It's important. 
Pavo, if you're listening... Essie Davin is basically an improved dandelion and also female. She is she is so so amazing. She's the best bard. She's a better bard than Dandelion. I'm sorry, Dandelion, you're really cool, but Essie is the better bard. Period. Everyone agrees. Um, and she was actually a friend of Dandelion as well, and she speaks elder speech also fluently, like in a singing voice. Like Gerald is impressed with her at that point. Um, she doesn't have like the best ending, I will say, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but so much about her is just mesmerizing. Seriously, they call her like a little eye as well. She has the beautiful blue eyes. Um, they, they, they have this whole story about her, one entire short story just about her and going and talking to the mermaids. Like it's, it's such a great story and her character is just so endearing. And the fact that nobody thought to add her ever, it, it just, uh, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. So as you said, her There's... her ending is very anticlimactic. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. Like you you expect she... some great things to be to to be happening in her later years. Well, there is no later years. <laughs> yeah, Pretty yeah, much. it's really sad. She especially because even Dandelion is so impressed with her. Like he he more or less admits that she's better than him. And to know that Dandelion, with all of his bravado, who would just never admit something like that, would even say that she's really good. I, I honestly have feel um, like uh, his L Lady Love in The Witcher 3 is a little bit based on Essie. Just a little oh, bit. Not a little bit. She's a, she's a straight up knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, CDPR has a history of doing that because I've been saying that a lot, but if you look at Triss in The Witcher 1, like half of her lines are borrowed from the books and they belong to Yennefer. Yeah. And Jorveth is just Isengrim. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, no two ways about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Zoltan was supposed to be Yarpen. <laughs> because um, Zoltan in the books is not really that close with Geralt. Like, Yarpen is, no. his, is his dwarven friend. He honestly, well, he does know Zoltan, but yeah, I think he, he just meets with Yarpen more often. Um... Which, I mean, in The Witcher 2, they do go, hey, you know, my old friend and all that. But um, I think they might have chosen Zoltan specifically because he was a little bit more of a blank slate in that case. And I think in The Witcher 1, they did that a lot by, for example, adding Triss and not Yennefer because they were maybe afraid to do Yennefer wrong because um, she was kind of a complicated character and they didn't want to get that wrath of the fans at them, which is super understandable. Um, but yeah, they... Uh, I feel like they made up with it for it a little bit in Witcher 2, at least. And Zoltan's a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. watching an interview with um, Ivinsky, the guy, the, the CEO of, of CDPR, and he said mm -hmm. they were really afraid of adding Ciri and Yennefer too early. So instead, they wanted characters that are going to somehow behave like them, they're going to represent them in a way, but not be them at the same time. And that's how mm -hmm. Triss made it to the Witcher 1, and that's how Alvin was added to the game as well. No, Alvin. We don't talk about Alvin. Yeah, I see Alvin doesn't really have that many friends. Alvin. Hard oh. to explain. Oh, if you've ever watched Alvin and the Chipmunks, just imagine people yelling Alvin all the time in that voice. Because he's the worst. <laughs> he's a parasite. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm glad they didn't do Siri and just made, like, gave Siri the entire Alvin questline because I think everybody would have hated Siri. And that would have yeah. been terrible. Alvin was basically just this whiny little rat that every so often would just prophesize out of nowhere and then 
just go right back to being a brat. Like nothing happened. And yelling Geralt a lot. And then teleporting off when Geralt was trying to save him. Oh boy. Richard one is an experience. (laughs) It is. The swamp is probably the most depressing and infuriating area in the history of gaming. <laughs> oh my lord! When I remember when I, I when I did my lore through on YouTube, I was I would record in really big blocks whenever I did the swamp because I had to. I knew I had to cut out so much of me just walking, just walking places again, back and forth, and then taking the wrong left turn somewhere, and then having to walk all the way back. It, yeah, I, th- I think the worst part about the swamp is at, at some point you're like, okay, I've done all these quests, we are done here, never to return. And nope. then you go back to Vizima mm-hmm. and they're like, but you know what, Geralt, if you go to the swamp... Yeah. <laughs> I return to the swamp once more. And then in chapter four, you leave for murky waters and you're like finally done and then the epilogue is basically another swamp yep <laughs> they really love swamps i have no idea what's going on with cdpr i mean i like swamps too but you know not like that <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, i'm not shrek i'm Geralt. but um <laughs> bringing uh bringing it back to gwent for like five seconds um do you think gwent has any chance of appearing in the Netflix series anytime soon? I think um, they'd have to ask Sere Projects. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they at have this the, point. Uh, yeah, they have they definitely have a, a copyright on that for sure. Um, um, I hear. I don't know if they would really want to add it as well, because I feel like they're they're in most cases they're trying to distance themselves mm-hmm. a lot from the games. Because when you listen to any and all of the pronunciations in, in the Netflix show. They're all just the the stark opposite of anything they say in the games. Like, oh, the game said it this way. We're going to do it the other way. Doesn't matter what it is, even if it sounds terrible. Um, So I don't don't know that they want to. I think they'll play cards, maybe. Maybe they'll imply somewhat that it's Gwent, but I don't think they'll Uh, ever mention it. Though we have to admit the description of Gwent, and it's a very short description in the books, is absolutely amazing. I the don't is... think that that was Gwent at the time, because they did give it a name, and it wasn't Gwent. <laughs> I think it was called it was called Gwent, yeah. which is how Gwent um, is called in Polish. It, I think it depends on where you read the translation, because I think the English one definitely didn't call it Gwent either. My my Czech translation just calls it Gwent. Yeah, so it, I think it super depends on the translation. Um, in which case, that just weirds it out for everybody involved. Um, but like I said, even then, I don't think that they can claim it as being a thing in the books to such an extent that they wouldn't have to ask Sede Projects. Um, uh, the thing is, the show doesn't really care about like details and nuances. And yeah. this, this particular card game that the dwarves were playing at some point is a detail. And I, I don't think they would even like yeah. bother implementing it, honestly. Gator mm-hmm. says that in Polish it's Gwent as well. So I think even I think I think they could, if they wanted to have a lawsuit, <laughs> I think they could call it Gwen's. I don't think they'd want to go that far though for like a detail. I think that yeah, like I said, I think they just might have like a oh we're playing a card game, Geralt. Do you want to play the card game with us? That is the Witcher card game. <laughs> <laughs> though really, I love the description because to 
to all people unaware of how the card, the, the card, the Witcher card game that doesn't apparently have a name is described in the novels. It's basically a couple of dwarves playing cards, cursing at each other all the time. They they are shaking fists, and each each of the dwarves has a stick to hit the other one, or at least threaten mm-hmm. him. I mean, okay, it does it does describe my Gwen experience when I'm playing against certain decks. <laughs> but overall, it's just amazing. Yeah, I, I think honestly, like they they loses and stuff. It's great. Yeah, I think they just maybe want to make it like a crude game for the dwarves in general, right? Because even if they're playing Gwent, they're doing it with sticks. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of a crown, you just get a whack on your head. Ah, accessories sold separately. Yeah. <laughs> imagine them imagine CDPR just selling sticks in their shop for realistic oh, wow. Gwent experience I mean, you're, you're selling they are selling like a literal sewers board so at this point I think people will buy anything <laughs> it's a really I mean, cool sewer board but you know yeah, what I miss there well, you know what I miss it's, it's a cool sewer board but I just there, there should be some hint of you will be in there Oh yes! Like, it's Fifteen a, years in a sewer. They missed like out on that opportunity of you just not like walk like, casually strolling through the sewers or his shade or anything. <laughs> he should have been there. Yeah, for sure. But moving on, guys. Um, another question. Like we are talking a lot about CDPR, The Witcher Four. It's because we love them. Yeah, we do. Like Pavo, I love you. I love CDPR. Please get back to me. I sent you like a. 100 messages in the last three days. Uh, the Witcher 4. Because there is that triple A, A RPG game they're working on and that it's supposed to uh, release at some point in 2021. And it's, it's not Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2. I don't think they're going to release Cyberpunk 2 a year after Cyberpunk 1. But there is a game in the works and apparently it's being developed at the other studio because they have two studios now. One is uh, doing the uh, Cyberpunk thing and the other one is for the Witcher uh, franchise. So they are working mm-hmm. on something we don't know what it is. They only said and they repeat that every single time that they want to release that at some point in 2021. Hmm. Is that The Witcher 4? Could it be? Um... Well, first of all, don't call it Witcher 4. Okay, yeah. another Witcher game that's not yeah. gonna continue the saga, the, the 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 trilogy, because the trilogy is over. I mm, I feel like if it was The Witcher Four, and it's because it seems pretty close to that point, like time wise, I feel like it might be too close to Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they did make another Witcher uh, video game, that they would want to make sure that it is perfect. And currently, they're trying to make Cyberpunk 2077 perfect, mm-hmm. and I just, I just don't see them as being satisfied. I want to say with anything less than the best. They've kind of already showed that when with every game. So if they're trying to do two games at the same time, both of them being that high quality, I, I just don't think that's what they want. Um, and I also think they'd want to start hyping it earlier yeah. like little hints here and there because they always do these little mystery things like oh what are we making guys um yeah. uh one thing you have to remember is that 
the reason why Cyberpunk is going to be released this year is it's just dragging on for so long. They started working on Cyberpunk after The Witcher 2, which was mm-hmm. eight years ago. <laughs> and then and then they got this idea of abandoning the project. They started working on The Witcher 3. And then they realized the new engine that they developed for The Witcher 3 is far superior. So they said, okay, we are going to develop Cyberpunk on a new engine that's going to be based on this engine from The Witcher 3, not The Witcher 2. So they started from scratch and, you know, it took years to develop and then they postponed once again. So you're saying it's pretty close to one another, but who knows? Maybe they have been working on another Witcher-esque game for years. I honestly don't think they have enough people for that. No, and I also think that, especially with the the way crunch works in the video game world, I just don't think it's healthy either Mm -hmm. to have these two massive releases basically on top of each other. Um, and, and really, honestly, like I said, I think they'd want to hype it more because this is kind of a big deal and they could link it to Gwent. They could hype that alongside it. Um, they could even hype it alongside Cyberpunk, like make, cause everyone always talks about having the reference of Siri being in the Cyberpunk world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would, if they were making another Witcher game that close to it, that would be the perfect promotion. Like you can't get better than that. Um, it would be really cool if they had a little reference to Siri, uh, not as her appearing, because I think they already said that that was too much. They didn't really want to do that. But like maybe like a note or graffiti or something that's really obviously from Siri. And they're like, well, this is what we're working on next, by the way. And it baby is a Witcher game. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of how the, how the hype train would start then. And then we'd be like, oh, I found this thing. And then everyone's going to speculate. I was like, what could it be? And then maybe in, in the next year, they'll have like a little bit of a showcase of what they're going to do. So they're very careful. Like, I think what, what we've learned about State of Project over the years, the, the biggest thing is that they are careful with everything they do. They think everything through in terms of how they're going to launch it, when they're going to launch it, what they're making. Um, and I don't think they're going to change it anytime soon because it's working. It's paying off. Everything they make is great. <laughs> um, to kind of finish the, the, the whole talk about Gwent and, and the Loring Gwent and, and the Witcher games. So hypothetically... Completely theoretically, if they were working on another Witcher game, what could it be? Because the Geralt story is over. It's done. A lot of people want Siri, but I think that if they did Siri, they would have to ignore two of the three endings. Siri is a bit tricky. Not necessarily. Um... I mean, unless we want an Empire Simulator where you just play Siri. No, you don't have to. Because uh, this is something that a lot of people seem to just overlook. They think that if they choose the uh, Empress Siri ending, that she is just going to be Empress Siri. Uh, Lore-wise, that's that's just not what happens. Mm -hmm. It's uh, never what happens. Um, Because there is a succession of Emperors of Nilfgaard in the books, which just goes all the way to Calvi as well. Um, And it basically says that Morvan Voorhees becomes an emperor at some point, but Siri isn't mentioned, and you have the whole fake Siri thing that they kind of ignored. Um, but Siri just goes to check things out in The Witcher 3. She goes to see in Nilfgaard what it's like. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but she should at least give it a chance. Um, but there's a really good chance that Yennefer would inform her of what would happen, because Siri as empress doesn't really make sense. Um, the way Nilfgaard works is money. Uh, that's really just it. Um, because you have the Merchant's Guild 
that is in Nilfgaard that basically stopped Amir as well. So the attack on Sintra, that was the Merchants Guild. They were like, you know what? I think we need more land. And Amir was like, well, no, Amir, we need more land. And he said, okay, well, I guess we need more land. Uh, and then he attacked Sintra to just kind of appease them. So if Siri would want to get anything done in the empire, she would need approval of the Merchants Guild because the mm -hmm. Merchants Guild is also the reason why Amir dies in the Witcher 3 ending where, you know, Radovid lives, you don't do the Siri thing. Um, Amir dies because of the Merchant Guild, because they don't like what they're doing. He's costing them money. Uh, and Siri would eventually start costing them money because Siri would want to abolish slavery. Siri mm -hmm. would want to sure. free most of the northern provinces. Like she would uh, make peace with Skellige. Like she would do all these things that she, like the good things that she thinks she's doing for the country. Uh, and the Merchant's Guild would say, okay, where are you going with my cheap labor? Uh, so they would already start fighting her there. Um, and then giving up any of the provinces would make them fight her more. And which, the only thing she could do, like as an empress, she wouldn't have absolute power. Uh, the only way she could actually get out of that is to start executing people. Uh, can you see Siri start executing people who dissent? Like, I, I don't think she's the type of person. Um, no, she's not. Because in the desert, you have this moment where she basically starts dabbling in fire magic. And she sees what she could be. Like, she, she could be this horrible person, this, this despot. She sees pyres, people burning her friends on the stake. Um, and she's like, no, I don't want this. I don't want any of this. I give up magic. I forfeit. Let me, let me leave. I don't want any of it. Uh, so she wouldn't be like that. And Yennefer could tell her that because Yennefer was in politics for the longest time. So she, she'd be like, well, this is what's going to happen. You can't actually change the world like this. And the better way to change the world, which is to be a witcheress, and to go and save people that need saving, you know, because you have that power, you can be fast, you can travel through time, you could do all these things that wouldn't help an empire, but would help the common people. So that would just be more Siri-like. So she would see that, say, okay, that's terrible, let's not be an empress, and then leave again. Maybe put Vorhis in, in his place, uh, maybe say, hey, fake Siri, take over, or whatever else. Um, and in the other ending, where she supposedly dies, I don't think she dies, personally. Um, but even if she did, it's really easy to write it that she doesn't. I think because the reason that she doesn't return to Geralt at that point is because he was a bad dad. So if Ciri thinks, wow, what a terrible father I actually have, uh, I'm going to hang out on Hawaii instead and not come back. So <laughs> she's still alive and she can come back whenever. Uh, she just doesn't come back to, to Geralt. Um, you also don't see Geralt die. So it could be that he has a Super Saiyan moment and just explodes and kills everybody. Like There are some really clear outs on everything that happens in the ending of The Witcher 3. And I think maybe Seda Project did that on purpose. It's like, okay, well, you don't see this happen. You don't have confirmation of this death or that she does this or that he does that. Uh, so they can go any way they want. So all they would have to do is, uh, if you did choose Empress Siri or Siri quote unquote dies ending, all you have to do is add like one line, be like, oh, well, I came back from Hawaii and I have a tan now, or actually being Empress sucked and I'm gonna go do this now. So it's an easy fix. You can go any way you want with her. Um, I think actually the bigger problem with a Siri game would be how you're gonna handle her power because at That's the end of The Witcher 3, right yeah, no, you go on. I've been talking for ages. No, it's it's just uh she's she's fucking OP. Yeah. So how do you how do you really like make a game progression with a character like that? She would have to she would have to lose her powers somehow, I guess. 
she would yeah. or she would have to be put against something far more powerful than she already is but that maybe would be like too low breaking un unless she went like i don't know um traveling somewhere completely off the witcher world but yeah like it, it would probably be more complicated um in that sense than than uh with the with the endings thingy I mean, yeah, that, I think a lot. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, you said something about uh, Ciro being OP and how w CDPR would handle this. I think it's very easy. Just appoint Gwent Balance Team to handle this. They're gonna <laughs> nerf her to the ground. <laughs> easy game. Oh God, no. Um, <laughs> but you know, all the all the good Gwent people are actually working on Cyberpunk, so I don't think so. Um, just to elaborate on something Eurofaldi said in the chat, which I also mentioned a few months ago, there was a guy who claims that there is another uh, Witcher game in progress. Don't know if it's true, but he did explicitly state that it would not involve Geralt, and it wouldn't be the Witcher 4, but merely take place in the Witcher universe. Mm -hmm. So perhaps it doesn't involve Suri at all, but that would also be a very interesting uh, yeah, outcome, a, right? I think that was an interview, actually, with one of the Seda Project people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely a thing, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But I think in terms of what they said, it's just like, it's not going to be a Geralt game. It could still be a, a Siri game. Um, but like Alice said, it's just hard to make her struggle. You can't really struggle as Siri if you can time travel and you can teleport and, you know, you're the best with the sword. Uh, how are you going to make her be in any kind of trouble if she can just fix it? So either you'd have to put her in a position where she can't use her powers or uh, in a position where to solve it, her powers are useless. So you could maybe make Avalach kind of the, the big bad, because I think in The Witcher 3, they kind of dropped the ball on, on who he was, because Avalach is not a good man. Um, oh, yeah. And the way he's shown in The Witcher 3 is like, oh, okay, well, I just want to save my home world. And you know, I'm, I already knew this was going to happen. I'm opening the gate and then I'm disappearing. But in the books, it's very clear Eridan even tells you as much as that Avalach is an Ensevern, he is an elven sage, and they have their own codes and their own rules. They do what they do for them, nobody else. And Avalach himself also doesn't really care about his people. Like he has a clear link to uh, Lara Doran because he loved her specifically. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the people around him, he, he's kind of, he has this sort of disdain um, he eventually sits in a boat with this elven woman, who may or may not be the woman that we meet in The Witcher 3. Uh, and Ciri comes up to him, and he just kind of shoes her. Um, not Ciri, but the, the elven woman. And the elven woman's like, oh, I'm so upset about that. And um, sits down Ciri, and they just kind of go on a boat ride for a while. Uh, Avalach has no interest in what she has to say. He just plays his flute for a while, and then they go back. Like, he's the most useless guy in the world when it comes to actually being a good person at yeah. all uh and he's also not really interested in necessarily in um helping the king because if he is what he is what he says he is and he is because he makes some on point predictions um he could have seen this coming and he would have seen this coming he would have seen his king die that's just a fact which means that for his plans to work out the king had to die and he didn't care nor did he tell anybody um, and Eridan thinks it's his fault because he might have given him the potion that made his thing go up. Uh, 
but he's not sure. Like Aridin looks really shocked when it happens. He's like, what? He's dead? I, I didn't know. What? And then he just bonks his head on a bridge and falls in water because he's very smart. Um, that was the best moment of Lady of the Lake. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I have this theory as well that, because uh, if you want to make the games work with the books, you kind of have to have this theory. Because in The Witcher 3, you have this scene where they own romance. What happened? to the king and mm -hmm. you have the king sitting in a chair going ah poison and then Aridin picking up the poison bomb going ha ha epic evil one-liner and that's the end of that scene and Avalok's like yep that's what happened that's what happened don't ask me any more questions because that's just point blank not what happens um in the books the king dies in Ciri's arms slowly like mm -hmm. they sit there it's like oh you're so much like Lara Doran and I have a strange infatuation with which what could be my daughter. Um, let's not talk about it. I love you, bye. Oh. And then Siri goes, this sucks, and leaves. Aridin is at that point already running around near the water, presumably going, well, I don't know what bridge to bonk my head on. And that's all he does. He's not one-lining anything. Uh, and Avalach oneromancing somebody to show what happened is could so clearly be him just influencing everything like it's like okay i gotta make him believe that this is what happened it's not what happened i know that they know that but i'm just gonna show him um and if we go with that it means that either he convinced siri not to tell anybody or that he also uh did a little bit of uh, messing with her mind as well and if you add all of that up even in the witcher 3 without anybody telling you avalak is the worst guy because he just says Gotta, I gotta make my plan work. I'm just gonna I think all of you. I think Siri believed that Aradin um, poisoned the king in the yeah, but book. she was there when he died. That's the thing. So like yeah, the scene like, that Avalak showed, she didn't know she if, that didn't happen. She didn't know if Aradin like gave him the vial on purpose and if the vial was supposed to kill the king or not. No, that, no, she, she I, didn't, I think she, she didn't, didn't know, know that. that. But she she did know that that scene didn't happen. She knew that for sure, 100%, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because she sure. was there. Um, so either way, she knew that something fucky was going on. She could have also thought to herself, I was like, okay, well, Avalach kind of knows what he's doing, and we do need to convince this guy, so I'll just let it slide. Yeah, true. I also don't really care about Aridin, so he can take the fall, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but either way, Avalach is lying about mm -hmm. something, and he's doing it for his own goals. He disappears after the end of The Witcher 3. What is he doing? What's he doing? We don't know. Exhuming Lara Doran. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he's just leaving Lara Doran's child behind and not telling anybody anything. So that's super shady. So that could uh -huh. be a story right there. Yeah, that's an idea. One thing I know for sure is that there, if there is a major expansion in Gwent, I'll be ready to pay Jinzi to narrate it for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. This Hell was yes. this was perfect. <laughs> I I thank you. Honest, honestly, uh, it it's been a while since I read these books. I, I recently I reread um, the Last Wish and Sort of Destiny. So this was a lot of you know new information and old information that I just forgot about. But it was narrated in a perfect way. <laughs> like I was just sitting here like, holy smokes. It's it's a comedy show. Like she she's great. Like we need her we need her to be our permanent guest. Thank you. <laughs> I think I did this at some point during a I think I narrated what 
Amir wanted to do with Siri and Y at a Twitch con at some point, and they oh. said the same thing. So I, <laughs> maybe I'll just make this a series. <laughs> Uh, but to be honest, I think that if they do um, The Witcher 4, or however the game is going to be called, they might want to go the cyberpunk route. Meaning they give you the choice to shape your own character. It's going to be named V or something like that, and you will have a mm -hmm. choice between like how, like what, what school of The Witcher, how the character is going to look like. like a lot more um, customization options than you have in uh, The Witcher games. Or yeah. they could say, screw that, we're going to do, uh, do it exactly the same way we did it in the previous games, and they're just going to choose another character. And my personal favorite is always young Vesemir. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people want to see his story. Mm -hmm. Especially because he... we have, like... Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, what I wanted to say is, when Vesemir was young, there was the, the world looked much differently than it does during the time of like late Geralt and Ciri. Like, witches mm. were much more common, there was more monsters. It was still the like, somehow like, colonization period, like the Northern Realms were not as established, I think, so it would be much different. Yeah, what the chat says as well, it would be really cool if either you get like a little bit of Vesemir finding Geralt at the end as well, like, mm -hmm. I, I think it would have to be Vesemir's story specifically, like, everything that he did. But it would be really cool if they at least ended it with Vesemir going, huh, I have a new child. I will name him Geralt. That'd be, like, a nice little nudge. Just... Do you, do, oh, you yeah. think Visena, do you think Visena didn't choose a name for Geralt? Before well, she, uh, it, like, it, left I, I don't think she did. Because um, I know that you have, like, in The Witcher Netflix show, you have little Geralt going, ah, I am little Geralt and you are Vicenna. But in the books, um, and in the show as well, for some reason, he specifically says, you didn't give me that name. Vesemir gave me that name. Um, mm -hmm. So the Netflix show just contradicts himself on the spot. Uh, but no, yeah, the, the I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he was also left as a baby, not as uh -huh. like an already grown child, because oh, I, yeah. I think child Geralt in the show is already too old mm -hmm. to go through the trials. So yeah. Hmm. Also, I think there it's mentioned um, somewhere in the first two books that Geralt really sees Vesemir as his father. Like everyone has a father, and Vesemir oh, yeah. is mine. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing weird about it. He's, he says something like that. Yeah. I mean, Vesemir is basically his dad. He did everything for him, and he still comes back to him now. It's like, yeah. and he. I mean, he didn't have a mother. There's like a story. Uh, I think it's the Road of No Return. It's called. Um, yeah. which for some reason wasn't printed in the English versions, but I think no. uh, Czech does have it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, and it's about uh, the parents of Geralt, and that's Corin, yeah. I think it is, and uh, Vizena. Oh, and you never really hear what happens to his father, but given that you meet Vizena in the books and she's alone, uh, Corin probably just died because he, he was a human, as far as we knew. So he died, and I guess Vicenna really didn't want to raise a child on her own because she was a druidess and uh, just kind of left him. I don't know what you would think about that as a child. When you grow up, you realize that you were left behind. But I think whoever raises you the most is just your parent, period. Um, the, the, like, the whole thing about The Witcher, like one of the main themes is just found family versus mm -hmm. biological family. Exactly. 
I yeah, ex exactly, because Yennefer and Geralt's Siri are a highly dysfunctional, but still a family. <laughs> yep. Yeah. On that note, I think we can move to the next segment. Is because we are, we've been talking for two hours already, so we kind of need to <laughs> rush it now. I don't want to keep Jinzi just chatting with us the, the, the whole morning. She probably she That's probably okay. has things to do. I have a stream. Like whenever this ends, the streaming, so it's easy. <laughs> Okay, easy game. Uh, Five-hour podcast confirmed. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, I wanted to briefly, <laughs> like, very, very briefly talk about competitive Gwent because it's the Masters week, right? Gwent Masters is happening mm -hmm. next weekend. And the only question I wanted to ask about that is, are you guys going to watch? Are you guys... Do you guys have your own picks? Are, are you interested in the tournament? I know that Alice is because she's traveling there. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to talk more than Jinzi, so I'll let Jinzi go first. Oh, well, I always watch, but that's all I have to say about it, really. I just really enjoy watching Masters, even outside of the, the games. I really love the production production value that goes into all of the Masters, because State of Project really pulls out all the stops. Uh, obviously going for Tailbot, because that's always my pick. So, <laughs> uh, Ellis. Um, so, yeah, definitely watching, but uh, Ellis, take it away. Uh, yeah, I'm going, so I'm going to be at the unofficial viewing party. Uh, it, I've wanted to go ever since I watched Challenger 4, basically. I just, I wanted to be there and I wanted to meet the players and the casters and if possible, the, the rest of the community. And I'm incredibly grateful and happy that I have the chance to do so. Uh, I, I am biased when it comes to the picks because I'm in a team. I have three teammates competing for for the for the title of a probably possibly best player in, in the world thus far. But <laughs> I do have a favorite outside of the team, which of course is Tailbot because yeah, every, everyone who knows me just knows <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's 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 Villa and if Villa is not available then it's Tailbot. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that's a simplified version of things, I guess. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure if if I should ask about this. But how do you feel about uh, Hannah Chan not traveling to Poland to participate in the tournament? So basically, it's I'm not sad. sure if Jinzi knows what's going I on. Don't. So basically, Hannah Chan is a Chinese player, and uh, he, originally he didn't qualify. Um, Life coach did. Life coach won the first challenger, and he oh um, he declined and he, and and then he. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he lost interest in Gwen, so he declined. And the next person would qualify in his stead was Hana-chan. So I just imagine Hana-chan being like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm getting there. And then two weeks later, the whole coronavirus thing started, and he was denied mm. a visa. That's oh, horrible. damn, that's terrible, dude. It's, it's, very, it's very unfortunate. I Okay, um, traveling at your own risk, like, is one thing. I think denying someone a visa because the coronavirus is a thing is not necessarily okay um because it's already traveled places it's not like oh you're from china so you will have this virus like that's not how it works um i think that might be going a bit too far i won't lie that really sucks i almost want to say let him do it like from afar but yeah i don't know if that is even possible yeah i think it's impossible for people from yeah. east asia to mm -hmm. get eu visa right now because, for instance, we know uh, it, it's not about the, the Masters, it's about the um, TwitchCon EU that that also has been cancelled because of uh, yeah. the outbreak. And uh, we know somebody, um, 
you probably know him too, Abibo, uh, the Gwen streamer from Japan. So uh, he was tr he was going to travel with his wife to Europe to visit like a bunch of places, TwitchCon among other things, and then um, basically his airline said it's not gonna happen, and I think some hotels canceled their reservation as well. So it's like it's almost impossible right now to travel from East Asia to Europe. Ah, oh, that's terrible. That re no, that really sucks. Um, that's too bad. Seriously, I didn't not heard about that at all. I don't know what what are they gonna do with his spot at that point. Um, the next person with the highest uh crown points, crown points. score yeah, yeah. is qualified. So Kasper something something. Kasper okay. something. He's yeah. from Poland. He's pretty good uh, uh at ladder. He's like constantly on, somewhere on the first or second page. I don't know how he's doing in tournaments, but I'm pretty interested in like well how how he's gonna how he's gonna do because. Last challenger, a person that nobody expected could make it that far. Uh, oh yeah, Magpie. Mag Magpie, who got gone in through a qualifier, actually won. He three owed the previous champion, Damorcus. So you never know. But it, it's still it's still like very very unfortunate that um, that Hannah Chang couldn't be there because I'm pretty sure that he really really wanted to be there. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously. I made the joke about it, but it, it must have been a true roller coaster for him because one day you oh, hear yeah. that the guy who was supposed to participate declined, so you are gonna play and you must be thrilled. And then two weeks later, because of something that you cannot control in any way, you, yeah. you, you get the news that you won't be able to play either. And I think that's also what's gonna happen to you um, during the Open because next month we have the, the, the first Open of this year. Mm -hmm. And two Chinese players qualified, and I think uh, oh, if shit. things right. don't calm down, they won't be able to play either. Mm. And and they won't calm down. Not now. Uh, I give it at least a few months oh, before yeah, anything is going to change. Um, I think someone actually said it gets worse in summer? No, I think it, it, like, the expectations are that it's going to die out uh, during mm. the summer months, because but, but that's, that's what's false. happening with the flu uh, virus. But we don't mm. know yet. It's 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 a completely different thing, so everything could happen. Yeah, I spoke to my mom about that. Um, she's also on the virus watch, the international who's thing here in SA, so she needs to detect uh, the next flu virus strain every year when it uh, mutates. But um, yeah, apparently the heat is really not going to help at all. Like, if, if the yeah. coronavirus is still a thing, it's not going to stop it. Definitely not. Um, it's not going to die out like that. <laughs> but I think we're going to reach a point where Either everyone has had it at some point, or at least some sort of herd immunity is in place. Because right now the flu um, is a thing, so people have herd immunity, those who get shots anyway. But the coronavirus, even though it's not that they're deadly, but deadlier than the flu, we haven't built up any sort of immunity against it yet. And therefore we're all vulnerable. And that's that's only the problem, really. Um, and everyone getting it at the same time is bad, yeah. because our hospitals, yeah. at least here in SA, uh, we're not ready for that <laughs> at all. Yeah. But anyway, next question, Meisenberg. I, I guess you don't <laughs> want to talk about coronavirus. No? Mer mer merchants of viruses. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, actually, I wanted to move to the personal Q&A section because there isn't really much talk about the tournament. It still has to take place. Like Everyone has their favorites. I'm always rooting for Freddy because Freddy is a memer. 
Like sometimes he just brings <laughs> cards to the tournament where he thinks yeah. it has like one percent chance of working. I'm gonna try it out. <laughs> so that's what I always appreciate. But uh, personal Q and A section. One thing I really wanted to know is how did you get into the Witcher universe? What is your Witcher story? Oh um, yeah, I'll let Quincy to start. Okay, uh, it's actually kind of awkward. Uh, pirated Witcher Two. <laughs> so I was actually at a LAN party, and um, unfortunately, I was kind of in like I have a lot of depressive episodes, unfortunately, and I was like in one of those, which also caused massive insomnia. So even though it was a LAN party, everyone was going to bed except for me. Uh, and one of my friends went, okay, well, you're staying up. I got like the perfect game for you. It's super pirated, but you can play this one. And it was The Witcher 2. So I started that up and anyway, I just, I never went to bed that day. And I pretty much almost finished the entire game, like the first line in one night <laughs> and, uh, wow. and took it home with me. And I continued to pirate The Witcher 1 and then I pirated the books. <laughs> I pirated everything. Um, <laughs> And then when I finally, I actually got some money and I uh, bought the books, I bought The Witcher 2, I bought The Witcher 1. It's actually funny because I went to the game store and I, I put The Witcher 2 box on the counter. It's like, this one, please. And the guy stared at me. He's like, is it for a friend? I was like, nope, that's for me. He's like, oh, well, girls don't usually buy these kinds of games. And I, ah, please. Oh, God. <laughs> Deep size. Um. But I finally did buy it at that point. And I, well, like I said, I don't have many funds. So this was basically my life for like the next few years. I just replayed the games and then I reread the books and then I replayed the games again and then I reread the books again. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, um, just me sitting in the Witcher world for the rest of my life. And it, it actually pulled me straight out of my depression, which was great. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, uh, yeah, I was just garroting around for several years and then I just never stopped. And then The Witcher 3 came out and I was like, yeah, I can play this 50 million times too, which is great. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, uh, my, uh, my stories. Uh, I don't know, um, quite similar, but also different. Basically, I was, I was dating this guy briefly in senior year of high school and he liked The Witcher, and uh, he showed me some like funny bits from the books. It was like the dwarves talking, basically. Because <laughs> in, in the translation, it actually is quite funny. And uh, then there was this offer on GOG to get Witcher 2 as well for free. So he was like, yeah, I'm downloading this. Do you want it too? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Because at that time, I was playing Skyrim. It was like the first big video game that I actually played, funnily enough. And uh, one one evening, he was, like, teasing me about not even playing the game. Because we were, like, talking about it or whatever. I was like, okay, hold up. So I just saved and uh, quitted Skyrim. And basically, because he dared me, I loaded up Witcher 2. And I was in love within, like, five minutes. That was it. <laughs> Is that when Yorva showed up? <laughs> Mm, not really. I think I think it was I think it was when um I chose I chose the dialogue option like ha that's really funny it, when 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 Norwich was interrogating me and what Geralt said instead it was fuck you <laughs> and I just I just found that really hilarious because like the way it's the way it's written when where CDPR just kind of doesn't tell you what Geralt will actually say and I just found that really cool and also like just 
him straight up saying fuck you i don't know it, it did it for me for some reason he's very blunt <laughs> carol was the hook <laughs> I, I, yeah, have, I have to tell you, the Gwent taunts are the spiritual successor of that line. Because it says something like, thank you, and then, yeah, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the the sure. Gwent yeah, taunts are exactly like that. You think, oh, this sounds nice. Click. Oh, shit. <laughs> I will destroy your house after this match. Wait, that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, like, yeah, you, you're playing as Erden, a good game. You'll make a good slave. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but to clarify, guys, uh, when Jinzi was pirating The Witcher 2, I think it was still legal to pirate? Uh, to what? To pirate games? Or, or to play pirated okay. games? I think it, it I think it was still legal, or, or at least tolerated. Uh, oh yeah, this was, this was a long time ago. The Witcher 2 had just come out, basically. Yeah, I, th so, I think they changed the laws on, on downloading illegal content like a few years ago, maybe. And they are still maybe. not doing anything about that. It's like, okay, Plus, just I, because I Brussels asked us so to... So I pirated. Okay. I bought them afterwards, it's fine. Piracy is kind of legal in my country. It's I like, mean, as long as you're not like making money out of it, you can pirate whatever the fuck you want. I mean, Basically. you have a pirate party in your parliament. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> to be honest, we also have a pirate party, and the leader of the pirate party is an ex-porn star. Oh, well, there we go. Take oh, that, Czech nice. Republic. I mean, uh, our, our politics are kind of a joke, like, in and of itself. It's it's always a joke, in every country. But there, no there's worries. no worries. Yeah. Oh, BG says she's not the leader anymore. Yeah, I out of all people, I knew that Baby Joseph would know that. Like that's that's the thing he, he knows. That's mm -hmm. his field of interest. Uh, next question. Jinzi, how did you become the queen of lore? Like when, when did you decide, okay, I'm gonna start making YouTube content or start streaming The Witcher games on Twitch? Because whenever I need to know something about The Witcher lore, even for this podcast, I'm like, Jinzi or The Witcher George? These two <laughs> channels, always. Um, honestly, uh, I just wanted to talk about The Witcher. That's it. Um, I kind of have this thing on my YouTube channel where whenever something becomes popular, I stop doing it. Um, I was yeah, getting same. really big with the, my World of Warcraft videos. Um, like, I was skyrocketing and I hated it. So I stopped doing World of Warcraft. Uh, and then, then I just picked something else that I really like to talk about, which was The Witcher. So I just started, I think I started with the Triss and Yennefer uh, stories. So I was really new at just telling entire stories, taking it out of my books and whatever it is. I just wrote the whole thing down. I didn't even paraphrase, basically. Um, and it made this, the videos really, really long. So they were like half hour long bits i think um so i've definitely improved in that and i think the main reason i continue to do it at that point is because i wanted to make it better i just i wanted to kind of make it on the level of my world of warcraft videos um and those basically became popular because they were short and they were to the point so that's what i was going for but i still wanted it to be like a good story um which is where we are now. Like I've basically done everything I wanted in terms of storytelling, um, which is why I stopped doing lore content. Now, I guess. Uh, 
guess. Um, I did the Crones last and I was very happy with that one. And um, yeah, now The Witcher is popular, so I'm jumping off that bandwagon. <laughs> um, but I still really like to just talk about The Witcher. And I think that it will never change. I know everything about The Witcher. Like off the top of my head, I know everything. Um, and I think that makes it really pleasant to talk to other people that also know everything. So I like talking to Ellis. I like talking to Raven um, because like I'll, I'll have a reference about something and they'll be like, oh yeah, I know what that means. And like, we have like this whole thing, like everything's a reference and we all understand each other. And it's just, it's just great. I know it's just it's a cozy thing um, up, up to what happened with the Netflix show, obviously, which is always a very cozy, comfortable community where everyone was nice. Everyone was interested. I could have, we could have a different opinion and it wouldn't matter because we could still have like a nice calm conversations like, oh, okay, you like this, you like that. That's cool. No, no worries. Like, you know, what's, what's your take on this? So yeah, I kind of just stuck around. That's that. <laughs> and um, how difficult is it to produce uh, the Witcher content on a regular basis? At least once. Uh, it takes a really long time. Um, and I think maybe that's more the way that I do it. Uh, the way that I like to make lore content is that I, I get the story, the entire lore story, and then I try to go a little bit further. Because, um, again, the same way that I did with the World of Warcraft, I didn't want to upload something that everybody already had. Like, what was I adding? I wanted to add something extra. So in this case, it's like, okay, what is the reference here? What's the theory here? Is there something interesting I could say about this that maybe nobody else thought about yet? So for example, in the Whispering Hillock um, story, so the, the Crohn's video I uploaded was um, the whole Hecate line, because I never heard anything about that ever. Um, I was trying to figure out who it was, who might be the reference, what they might be to each other. Uh, instead of just going, this is a story that we have, this is what's in The Witcher 3, and there you go, barf, I'll barf it on the screen and you can just watch that. Um, I kind of try to make it my own story. So that takes really long because I dive into really weird kind of mystery holes. Like I, I know everything about like the Greek pantheon at this point, just from researching. Um, so like, yeah, I guess it's uh, broadening my horizon, but uh, it, it means that, for example, the, the Crohn's video took at least a month to put together properly um wow. yeah and i mean that that does mean that i obviously can't upload much uh which is something that i i'd really like to change as well but uh yeah if if you want to go in depth then that's how long it takes basically yeah that's commitment that's great and i mean how many times have you actually read the novels for interest's sake uh i kind of lost count but at least 30 times Every wow. single novel in the series, like eight wow. of them, right? Yeah. Um, I think at the start, it was also, well, first of all, it was all I had. So I just kept rereading them. Um, but then when I started making videos as well, I would generally just reread the whole series every time I made a video. Uh, I kind of stopped doing that when I realized that most of what I needed, I could just get off the top of my head anyway. Um, but yeah, I just reread it every time, just for the smallest details, just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. So. I thought I was being a nerd when I read the whole Harry Potter saga six times, but holy <laughs> Yeah, 30 times, that's excessive to say the least. Yeah, that's 240 books, right? Just by reading every single one of them 30 times. Yeah, well, I, uh, I read reasonably fast. So. <laughs> wow. 
Um, if you could encourage a Gwen player like me to read them, how how would you do it? Um, a Gwen player. Any I Gwen guess, player um, watching. I guess in this case, um, the Gwen doesn't give you the whole story. If you want to know mm -hmm. why Yennefer is as powerful as she is, if you want to know why everybody hates Vilgefortz, if you want to know why Regis is like the best person in the world, if you want to know why you don't want to sleep with Triss all the time, maybe, um, <laughs> read the books. Read the books. There's uh, also, yes, there's sex. There you go. There's sex in the books, but there's also really cool fight scenes, and Geralt's a badass. Geralt's just a straight up badass, and then he meets Regis, and then they badass through the rest of the book together. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, like if you if you want to know what's happening on this on that courtyard, also like yeah. that that might be um a hook for somebody. Yeah, that's a very good point, Alice, because recently, even, even though I played The Witcher 2 like six times, which is nothing compared to how many times Jinzi uh, has played it, um, I was looking at cards in Gwent, and I noticed that Shillard card has two other characters in it. I was like, mm -hmm. oh wait, that's Asira. That's mm -hmm. Rainwald killing her. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. How did they miss it? It happened in Witcher 2. That yeah, happened, it happened in Witcher 2. It happened in The, in, in the Witcher 2, like, towards the end of the game. Like, mm -hmm. when, like... The moment you got to lock Muin, I think. Yeah. Somewhere around that part. And I was like, I played this game six times, how on earth did I miss it? Yep. And I, I mean, at the same time, can I just say that the Asira death was uh, really anticlimactic? It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> she deserved better. Yeah, she really did. Yeah, definitely considering the role she played in, in uh, the Lodge and the books overall. It's just getting stabbed by by an ambassador. That's that's yeah. kind of sad. Mm. Um, I have a much different question now, because Alice, there's one thing I mm -hmm. I I wanted to know. How did you mm -hmm. join TA? Oh, well, that's also a story and a half. Uh, not really. Uh, I was in Ryan Goldrick's channel. And uh, I was just like minding my business in a chat because I was a mod and stuff. And Heno, uh, the the founder of Artuza, uh, stopped by. And Ryan was like, "Yeah, we were actually like looking for people. And Ellis, you should apply." And then he sort of pushed me into sending Heno an email. And so I did. I sent him my portfolio and all that. And uh, he answered that he's like really impressed. And he would like to do a call with me and our content, man the content manager, Swandive. So we did that, and I thought I made a complete idiot out of myself, but then they were like, well, okay, you're hired. <laughs> it's always like that. You, yeah. go, you, you go to an interview, and, you, and you, afterwards you think, oh my god, I said this, I said that, they're never going to hire me. No way. 30 minutes later, like, um, uh, so uh, would you like to work for us? Yeah. I was like, I uh, I was pulling some ideas out of my ass because one was like um, introducing me to their website and all that and told me what she would like to um, change and make and all that. I was like, well, I can do this and this and this and really just basically just pulled stuff out of my ass like I always do. And it worked. <laughs> and I and I and I got in and it was it was it was the best. I, I love the team very, very much. And I'm. Every day I'm grateful that I'm in it and uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's a great experience.
uh, quick quick follow up question because you said uh, quote that you pulled things out of your ass. Yes. Are you actually <laughs> technically able to do all this all those things you told them you are gonna do for a team? Or is it like lying uh, on your resume like I can do this, I can do that, I have no idea what I'm saying, but I can do it. Well I kind of did them. Okay. Just so, so it's it's not like pulling things out of your ass, it's more more like I'm just gonna name things that I know I can do. Because a lot of people in a, in a very similar situation will be like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, fetch them some lies. Like, I'm gonna tell them I can do this and I can do that and I'm a super talented person and then they ask you to do it and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> now, like, some of these things are still in progress. For for example, for the website, because... Uh, hold up a minute. Don't interrupt me, I'm talking about my team! <laughs> it's just my dad. Uh, I could see uh, some angry words. <laughs> <laughs> so, some of the stuff is is still in progress. They're kind of started working on already with the with the three D looking propaganda I was talking about earlier. And uh, yeah, there's there's still like ideas that I have that I started working on and haven't finished because something else came came into came into the picture or stuff that i have sort of like on paper and i know that i can do it but i just haven't had the the time and and, uh, and the resources to do it yet but i'm very confident about anything that i told them i can do because uh, frankly i just don't like lying so i i didn't tell them to to that i can do anything that i can't do and there's still a lot there's still a bunch of things that I want to do that I don't know how, but I haven't I haven't felt confident about teasing something like that because I don't know if I can do it and I don't know if I'll ever have the time. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think most of us as content creators can relate. There's so many things you want to do but you don't really know how. Mm-hmm. Like take this podcast for instance. At some point I made the decision to start doing the podcast and then I asked myself how on earth do I do a podcast? <laughs> I don't know that, not anything about that. So I actually ask people who have more experience and that's how you learn. And then in the end, you are able to do it. Um, I mean, you gotta try something to learn, right? Oh yeah. Learning every day. Another question that we have on our list. Oh, that's that's something I really want to know. Jinzi, any chance of ever doing another round of Gwent lore videos? Because, let, 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 me, let me clarify, one thing that I really loved about CDPR was doing the Beyond the Frame mm-hmm. videos, where they explain the lore behind certain cards. And I know that you've been doing that as well. Yeah. Um, I Honestly, I might do that. Uh, I think if I do make those, I think they're, for the moment, going to be, unfortunately, Patreon exclusive. Um, and that's gonna sound really weird, I know that, uh, but uh, I genuinely don't like having too many viewers. Th- that sounds weird. Um, what I mean is I don't I don't really like to have like massive attention all the time. I like to have these close one-on-one conversations with people like if you have a question so I can answer you and I, I don't kind of lose sight of who's watching me. Um, I will eventually make those public again so like it's not like please sign up to my patreon or else no you'll i'll eventually make those public but i think i'll do it after the whole witcher hype has died down a little bit um if you personally want to see them when i make them i don't mind just sending them over to you um but yeah it's just 
it's kind of a, I, I like to keep it a close knit family. Cause like, I, especially in my community, I know pretty much everyone's name. I know what they're doing. I know, like, I know stuff about them, right? They're friends, they're family. Um, and I'm kind of trying to protect that, I guess, but I'll still make them. Like I said, I'll still make them just secretly. <laughs> Sneakily. Yes. Just like the podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, any chance of uh, sneakily streaming Gwent anytime soon? No, I don't think that would be too secret, would it? <laughs> um, uh, I think maybe if they have like a new scenario or things like that or a new expansion, <clears throat> I think uh, I'd definitely give it a look. Um, I streamed it when the Ophir expansion came out for a little bit. Um, and I, I liked the scenarios. I thought they were really cool. Um, but what I would really like to play, which I really enjoy in Gwent, is actually Arena. And the arena hasn't really had a lot of love in, uh, in a while. Yeah. Uh, I know they have like the the events sometimes where you have like a special arena mode. Um, but I'd, I'd really like to see them do a little bit more with events like that, where there's just like maybe just a special scenario where you play against an NPC or something, or you have to have like the puzzles like they had in Thronebreaker. I thought those were amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, if there's a good arena mode, I'll play that. <laughs> Actually, they said they want to rework Arena this year. Good. I'm looking forward we to it. We don't have any estimates. We don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to look like. They, But they did acknowledge the fact that Arena is not doing very well after Homecoming, and they need to look into it and change it. Okay. Okay, next well, question, uh... and that's, the, that, that's for both of you, actually. If you had any advice for CDPR when it comes to Gwen and Lore, what would it be? It can be anything. Hire me. That's it. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Hire Jinzi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say hire me as well. Uh, I might have no, actually I, applied. I honestly, um, there, uh, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say that. I did, I did post this again secretly, but uh, um, at some point there was maybe a thing. But I don't know if it's because Gwent wasn't really doing too well at the time or they changed directions or whatever, but they never actually did anything with it. Um, we had like a short talk, basically. Um, and then nothing happened. I wrote an entire kind of a background story to the um, the blood curse, basically. Um, oh. With the whole dead love, I made up a bunch of vampires. I'm like, I basically mm -hmm. wrote my own lore for it. Um, and... I honestly do feel like it would be nice if you had just straight up lore with like a little bit of artwork on the side, maybe to illustrate it. Because I, I know that if you go through the book with the rewards, you do get little pieces of lore for any specific season. But I think it's a little bit dry to, first of all, do it that way. And second of all, if you don't play a lot, like I don't play a lot at the moment. Uh, every so often I'll log on, do a few games. But that means that I miss out on that lore. It's like, I, I can't read all of them. I, I guess I could just look it up online somewhere. But I think I think it would be nice to just have like a little story with it, with everything, like with every new expansion. It's like, this is why this is happening. This is what these people are. I think we talked about that earlier already as well. But yeah, I just, I just like to have a little bit more story in Gwent in general. I think as it is, it's very bare bones. Uh, I liked the seasonal things like uh, the Phoenix fight. I thought that was cool. Um, Phoenixes technically uh, don't, they're mythical in the, in the Witcher, by the way. Um, Geralt lines it up with the same thing as golden dragons at some point in the conversation. So 
you know, you can do, you can go any which way, really. I would really like to see stories. Thanks. <laughs> I think in the end, I would just advise them to try to stay true to the universe as much as possible. Like, obviously, they are going to bend things for, for the sake of playability or for the sake of um, being attractive to new players or whatever. But don't don't break it. Don't break it because the lore is a big chunk of the game. It's one of one of the main things that makes the game um, unique from other other games of this genre. And uh, I just I just don't want them to see hurt themselves and potentially the game by just going way too far with what they make up for the lore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very sound advice. Um, we have a couple of questions from the audience. The first one being from Lionheart. Doesn't surprise, doesn't surprise me at all. Alice and Jinzi, will you be watching season two of the TV series to see what changes and if they like it, if you like it or not, and if it's more lore friendly? Uh, I will be watching it. Uh, I actually really like doing the comparisons. I actually think they're pretty fun to do. Uh, so I'll do, I'll do those. Um, I don't know if I'm going to ever do a review of the show again, but I will definitely watch them uh, just because I'm curious as well. Right. I want to know where they're going. Maybe they, at some point they just write the ship and, um, follow the lore entirely. I don't think it's even possible to do that anymore, but you know, they might have really good ideas that they had to set up in season one and that kind of come out in their, all their glory in season two. We'll have to see. Yeah, I want to. I want to see it too. If if only for having more more things to brag about. But I don't know. It's just I, I just I just I just at this point I just want to know. I just want to know how they're gonna um, continue with the mess that they started with season one. <laughs> like the first good sign is that they actually fired the person responsible for costumes. Oh, oh yeah. yes, thank the Lord. Uh, so hopefully it's gonna look a little bit more acceptable. It wasn't even just the uh, the the garbage bags for Nilfgaard, by the way. There were more costumes that made me go. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> I think I think there is a couple of videos made by um, Shadowversity and and similar YouTubers who are basically basically commenting on the costumes and what they could be and what they were in the show. Yeah. Moving on, sure. another question from the audience. Um. um are there any? lore-based franchises that you enjoy and how deep uh, did you fall down the rabbit hole compared to the Witcher universe? Uh, let's go first because I probably have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter when I was um, younger. I because, because I read it six times so I knew basically everything there was to know at that time. However, it got way too popular when I was kind of out of it already. And then J.K. Rowling just continued to ruin the universe entirely. So at this point, I just <laughs> tried to distance myself as far as I can. But I, I still know quite a lot about like the OG story, the OG seven books and everything surrounding them. So that was a thing, I guess. Um, I really enjoy Elder Scrolls. I enjoy the lore, although I don't know as much as I do about The Witcher. But I would like to learn more at some point, probably. It's it's definitely interesting to me. It puts interesting spins on like classic fantasy races as well, like orcs are actually elves and dwarves are actually elves and blah blah blah. So that's that's quite interesting to me. Uh, other than that, I guess Song of Ice and Fire. Although it's the same case, I haven't read the books yet, 
so I don't know as much as I could know. That's still ahead of me as well. But yeah, I, I enjoy fantasy stuff in general. Um, I did read a little bit of um, Song of Ice and Fire and things like that. Um, stopped halfway through. It's actually not my favorite. Um, I think the my most favorite fantasy series after The Witcher is um, the Stormlight Archive, which is a series of books as well. That one's not uh, done yet. Like he's still writing that, but uh, the writer of that series, Brandon Sanderson, actually writes really, really quickly. So we'll never run into the um, the unfortunate events of Game of Thrones <laughs> ever. Um, and it's basically a kind of a um, sci-fi mixed with magic sort of world uh, where you have like this one group of people that has special powers and they are just kind of discovering it and there's like a oh there's this whole prophecy going on with yeah i i won't go too deep into that um i didn't go super super deep into that because i don't think i ever want to do that again because i think if they ever make it into a series i'm just uh, it's, it's gonna ruin it for me so i'm just i'm reading it i'm loving it uh i try not to write lore about it i don't think i ever will but I, if you are ever looking for anything fantasy that is well written that has excellent rules actual ground rules that they follow throughout the whole thing with illustrations and interesting characters stormlight archive there's a lot to read you start with i think the way of kings and then you have like side uh, stories as well with each of the characters inside the books that have like their own little background story which Honestly, it's probably one of the best book series I've ever read, fantasy or otherwise. And I think on that note, we are going to slowly move towards the end of the podcast. So now, now is your time to sell out. Oh, dear. <laughs> Where can people find you if they need to? Where can they watch your content or listen to your podcast? Um, well, the podcast is on Patreon, um, but if you just want to watch me on Twitch, then I'm Jinzy on Twitch, and I'm the proper bird on uh, YouTube, which does still have a lot of Witcher uh, stories and things like that on it. Um, but if you just want to ask me questions about the Witcher on Twitch, then I'm always open for that. No worries. Alice? Uh, I'm uh, Thunderbird138 on Twitter. I am Alice the Thunderbird, just one word. Uh, on Twitch, and uh, there's a link to my Discord channel on my Twitch uh, description. So, if if you want if you want to join that, you can through through this. I don't have a YouTube channel because I am uh, I don't know anything about video editing, so <laughs> so that's that's not really a thing. Uh, do I have any other socials worth mentioning? Probably not. I have an Instagram that I can like give you if you ask <laughs> nicely yeah <laughs> of course Secret instagram <laughs> yeah your turn uh not much you can find me on twitch um my name is underneath here i think tia beastie and there you can find all the links and stay updated when i finally one day publish a book <laughs> hopefully and uh, thanks guys this was very fun and i personally learned quite a lot about lore today so <laughs> i'm a i'm a better person by the end of this podcast hopefully yeah. hopefully you are gonna switch the teams now now that you know the yeah. background story of yeah. tris you are oh. gonna be a proper teamian person 
if anything, maybe Team Shawnee, you know. I Shawnee is so cute. Seriously. Like the underdog. Yeah, I might just do that to piss off a few people like him. <laughs> okay, guys, I don't really have to tell you where you can find me because you are in my channel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this moment to promote the podcast once again. Um, so, guys, if you want to stay in touch also off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. If you want to get access to early announcements, you can join our Discord and all previous episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and a couple of smaller platforms. This episode is going to upload it, is going to be uploaded there in a couple of hours. So with that being said, Gene Z, Ellis, Thea, thanks for being here. Really, really appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for having and, us. And uh, chat, for... thanks for oh. participating. <laughs> Uh, thanks for asking questions. Thanks for chatting with us. We'll see you guys later. So yeah, we're gonna raid somebody in a minute. But for now, that's it. Thanks for watching, everyone. See you guys later. Bye.